Hello and welcome to Elite Card Radio Hordes Machine Podcast. That Mike got derailed. Yes, Alex. What are we talking about? We're talking about War Machine and possibly Hordes, and maybe, just maybe, we won't be taking it too seriously. It's just a thought, you know. After seventy-nine episodes, I thought we're taking ourselves too seriously. Time to tone it back a little. What do you think? Uh, Yeah, why not? Why not? Get a tagline out of there somewhere. Fair enough. I'm Mike. You're not going to start again? No. No, no you've, you've, interrupted, you've interrupted me now. I, I, I had a flow going, you know, it's it's all ruined. Um, artistic, what's this and all that. I'm Alex. Don't all go at once. Well, there's only two of you left. So, I know, you know. but my place is at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I know my place. The end of what, though? Uh, Sesame Street. Come on, then. Mystery guest who's got something on their head. Bad looks of things. What's going on? We know we're to be hold, holding something convergency up to the camera. I think. Can we can we finish this intro? Okay, uh, okay Angel. He's okay. Nick. He's Nick. He's Benj. Right. Let's move Let, on. Let's go. Okay. I'm glad with that. That's done. All right. I guess I'm Nick rather than a Clockwork Angel. Oh, oh, oh! He is. <sighs> uh, oh wow! That camera didn't focus very well. No. Fuck you, camera. Fuck you. Oh my god, this is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it must be bad if you're saying that. Uh, yeah, normally that's other people saying it for him. Um, <laughs> so, this week, Elite Cadre is freshly back from SmogCon. We've had a lovely weekend, and we right. are all... SmogCon? I wouldn't say fresh either, I'm pretty stale. <laughs> I'm gonna I mean, say... You're allowed I will to get the breezes. Yes. <laughs> I did have... I did have showers the whole time I was there... You've just not had one since because it's... you don't want that that smog con stench to go for the last no, time. No, see, the thing is, he, he brushed um, Hungerford's arm on the way out, and that's why uh, he's not sharing uh, okay. anymore. I didn't get a chance to talk to Hung- Hungerford about my wonderful changes that I had. <laughs> Mike like rolled his eyes back in the back of his head so hard they lodged there for about half an hour, and he was pronounced dead. And then I went bowling with them, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're back in black. So, and better than ever, yes. Um, so, news first of all. First big news, SmogCon is dead. SmogCon <laughs> is dead. Long live lock and load Europe. Yes. So, uh, the man in charge, John Webb, has made a sideways move, and it is now an official priority press event starting next year. Um Woo. The, the final details haven't been fully hammered out, uh, but what we know is expect continuity, expect the same kind of event with the same kind of people helping out. Yeah, and... just in time to leave e- e- EU, or be smug on uh, smug on lock and load actually, UK. Actually, sorry, right. the, 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 there is something very important there. It is, it is not lock and load EU, it is lock and load Europe. Yeah, this is this. I, I'm getting grief about this for the ETC. Just because we're leaving the EU doesn't mean we're leaving Europe. It's not like we're no longer in Europe. It's not like Canada all of a sudden decides it's no longer part of North America. Well, I tell mean, you, tell you what, I'll get a tenant saw, start at one end, you get one, start at the other, and we can saw ourselves off the continental shelf and drift out into the middle of the Atlantic and unload yeah. by sharks. Or can, 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 can we can we drift south so it's a bit warmer? No, no, oh. definitely not. Can we drift away from Wales? Can we drift away from this train wreck of a conversation? That is probably a very good idea. 
<laughs> so next year, look out for Lock and Load Europe. If SmogCon is anything to go by, it will be a fantastic event again and well worth it whether you're a serious tournament player or whether you're someone far more casual and just looking for some fun games. I mean, um, to us, this is basically a rebranding thing, right? It, SmogCon's not going to change at all apart from Privateer. We now will expect them to be there rather than it then being it being a nicety that they have guests. What this does do, though, is perhaps sparks the interest of more uh, of the European crowd that previously haven't made it over to SmogCon, mm. or even some of the American crowd who will see it in the same light as Lock and Load and make the travel. I just hope that, I mean, being on a budget, I just hope it doesn't jump around Europe and we are the base still. I, as much as I'd love to travel with War Machine, as, as a lot of people do, I just cannot afford that. Um, and it, and so with Europe, it just it just makes you wonder whether that will be a thing, but we'll see. I know for at least next year, there are no plans for it to leave the UK. Okay. So I, I don't know about anything further than that. The, the, the only things I've kind of had even vaguely confirmed is... There will be some continuity. It's not leaving the UK. And vaguely the people who are currently in charge will stay in charge. I mean, it'd be really sad if it moves out of the UK and it becomes more difficult for us because it has built up a following over the last six years. And if that following can't attend due to it moving, it becomes sad. It becomes uh, problematic for War Machine in kind of in the uk because it's kind of like the premier uk sort of tournament and billing for the year there's something always comes and takes that over though so back when i first started it was the uk games expo masters that was the the prime event and that moved over and became the etc and then now that's become smogcon over the sort of the past eight years we've just had that transition yeah no i can see that it's just it's that Oh, sorry, go sorry. on. Max. No, no, no. no. Go, go well, I was going to say, I think the UK Nationals held a lot of sway for a long time. Then with the, the changes to kind of the restrictions for Masters, I think we had a lot more Masters events, which kind of took the shine off it a bit. But I agree. I think SmogCon is, is the first time we've ever had a US-style con um, over on in, in your... Well, I, I wouldn't say Europe, because I've never really been to many events overseas in, in Europe, so I wouldn't like to speak for something I've not experienced, but I think, for, for me at least, it was the first time, i say, we've had one of these US-style cons. No, I think it was. It. Probably in Europe, was the SmogCon was the first to bring it in six yeah. years ago. I think that, that wouldn't be unfair to say. As far as we're aware, there might be an event out there that we're not aware of that's done it, but I can't remember hearing of any till about four years ago. Previous to SmogCon, I don't think there, there was much, but since SmogCon, there's been stuff like ClogCon and yeah. um, various other I mean, there European were European, events. There were European tournaments, because you had stuff like the Benelo Masters and things like that that had yeah. quite a big following, but they they were weekend tournaments they weren't yeah well they, they were the classic british sort of uh, event that was ruling the roost over here where you would have your one big tournament everyone would go along you'd play the whole weekend and then there'd be one big rankings table at the end and you'd go oh i came 53rd oh would you exactly. have that voice yes exactly oh i can't believe i placed <laughs> 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 oh dear. So <clears throat> that's what we've got coming out of SmogCon. Um, we can discuss a, a few more of our um, experiences in a bit. 
I think, on uh, SmogCon. Can we talk like this the whole way through? If you want to. I mean, you know, it's, it's up to you. Okay. Um, I, I, I can't could do just it. make you sound like a chipmunk again in the uh, edit, so that's <laughs> Please don't. Is there an edit where that actually exists, by the way? Yeah, there the, the may or may not have been a segment where I did do that to Alex. Oh, wow. I mean, I did tell him I was going to do it beforehand, but, who's you know. Go- who's gone dubstep? Alex. Jesus. <clears throat> so, I'm not doing anything. If there, if there are any audio issues, it's normally Alex. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know if he's still using his phone as his dialing, no. but no. Okay, well, well I'm, I'm, I'm like... just going to ask who's got the vibrator in the background. That I mean, is literally... I was going to ask who's living in an amp, but sure, you, you take it that way, I'll take it the other. Phrasing? Uh, um, uh, I don't know. Anyway. Speaking of vibrators... <laughs> Wow, no, no. I mean, just, just we're, no. we're here to talk about metal things, but that's a different football game. Oh. <clears throat> anyway, so, <laughs> the big reveal of the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, this is crap. Where's Alex come? We're done. I'm still here. How good. Yeah. Uh, the big reveal of the weekend, of course, was the Grimkin faction. Grimkin! Woo! Gribbly, gribbly, gribbly. Now, we'd seen... A couple of hints and teasers beforehand. Um, uh, occasional bits of models. I mean, we, we knew that Old Witch 2 was coming. And um, not much else. But then over the weekend, PP dropped, well, pretty much everything. Uh, we know we're getting everything in uh, CID in two weeks. I think yeah, it is. CID, two or three weeks. Yeah, it's, it's March, right? Something like that. Well, March is in about a week and a half, so in fact, less than that. Damn, time flies. Um, so we're getting everything in CID. Um, so they just kind of unloaded. So in your face, first, th- yes. First up on the was it Friday evening that we had this yeah. or Saturday? No, it was Friday. Saturday. Friday at seven thirty. Yep. Friday at seven thirty, we had the big reveal video. Uh, now this was nearly seventeen minutes of um, just talk about the faction uh, video of the models uh what do people think of that reveal it made up for the uh first sort of sneak peek that we got at lock and load which was a which was a bit disappointing uh where we just got a bit of concept art and some amateur film study material that I might mean, have been cut out of the blur witch I mean, um, there's definitely amateur film studies in this big reveal video. Not there, gonna lie, there, there was, <laughs> but but it but it was a little. The production value yeah, increased I, from ten dollars to maybe twenty. And, I mean, I, mean I, I will be honest, right? I I don't expect anything more than that for a reveal video from a wargaming company. That none of these companies are. You know, have any kind of studio or TV backing behind them. So, if they get a nice camera and a couple of props, that that's as much as most of them will get. Yeah, it, it I guess makes... I'm spoiled working in an industry where we have to do that kind of thing on a very cheap budget, and we put out miracles, I guess. But uh, yeah, so I was maybe overly critical of it. But I mean, the nice but... things were we got to see a lot of the models. We got to see. Um, a lot of what I've been building up, whereas we've had um, these little teasers for the past, how long has it been now? Eight months? Something like that. 
um, and we've just had these back videos with backwards audio and stuff like that. It was nice to get the full load this time. Looking back at the video, I was actually very surprised because I honestly expected it to end at least three, four times before it did because I thought, no, they'll never give us this much. And, and it had that sort of opening segment. I was going, okay, there's, there's some neat stuff here. Okay. Well, it's been about five minutes. They'll probably stop now. Oh, no, okay, they're going more into the, the, the faction fluff. No, this is good. I like this. Oh, okay. Well, they'll probably finish it here. No, no, they're giving us details on the units. And it, it just kept going. So it was, as, as Ben said, it was a really nice kind of thing for those people who'd been there for the original reveal, which I think we all expected a little bit more from. Um, you know, I, I was fine with it being what it was because well anything was a bonus and i thought the q a that came afterwards was nice but only europe got that so um this was a nice thing for pp to give to the community any other thoughts yeah yeah you say like the, the faction reveal bit itself the video um gave us a lot and i kind of wish that the original reveal had maybe just given us that story about the five defiers and left it there and left it really open um maybe not not even having to go into the details of them maybe some concept art of them or something uh, and just leave it as there's a story of the five defiers that menoth threw into urkane returning to kane and just left it there rather than what they did because i think the eight months of speculation over it would have been much more interesting if we had that nugget to start with and work from i mean it was an interesting set of stories um for, for those who are kind of <clears throat> unaware of where they come from as nick said there are the defiers who were the people who rejected menoth's law uh when he gave that gift to humanity were thrown into the hell of urcane and spent the equivalent of many millions of years suffering there before finally like finding... really, no one really i don't think anyone ever said they suffered no they did yeah they did oh, that's the whole reason they've got the, the wombies they are the nightmares that they suffered okay well, yeah okay yeah, they were the nightmares given form, essentially. Well, the interesting, and this, this is kind of moving on a little bit, but after the video, there was, um, the next day, a two-hour Q&A uh, with the three PP staff, and um, they said that the war beasts themselves generally are the combination of the fears of two or more of the, um, of, of the defiers. So you have, uh, was it... Uh, Flesh and Moans, which is a combination of the fears of uh, the... I've forgotten his name. The, the Priest King. Uh, the Heretic. Yes, of the Heretic and the King of Nothing. Because you've got the whole thing of... The, the King of Nothing is meant to be this sort of hermit-like figure who really doesn't want to be around other people. So Flesh and Moans is a, is a gestalt entity where you are forced to be with others as part of this one mass. And at the same point, that's also the fear um, of the heretic because he was a priest king. He was, you know, that, that figurehead and to have that taken away, to be robbed of his very identity, it's something that torments him. So there are all these combinations of the fears of the, of the, the defiers. And I thought that was a, a really interesting point to make. And if you do look at them, you do kind of get that that sense of, you know, okay, there's a story behind each one of these. And if you listen to Primecast this week, that's that's apparently the, the development process it took. 
They figured out what these folk tales of the world would be and worked from there. I mean, while I was listening to it, all it made me want to do was actually dig up the old uh, Monsternomicon, which then it turns out that I don't have and I need to get <laughs> hold of it. Because I know a lot of the stories have been embellished upon in this edition because they weren't as fleshed out. Um, but really does want to make you go back and look at it all again from a different angle because obviously hollow men is the only article that i can remember reading was about the hollow men in uh in uh the uh the monsters rpg um edition i, I loved again the idea behind them um for those who don't know the hollow men uh we did actually get a a, a promotional model of those which was um a guard in a bearskin cap which the was no it wasn't a beef no, eater it's not a beef eater Oh, dear supposed God. He's supposed it's, to be. It's not a beef eater. That no. It's, that it's a, a different hat. Yeah. And it's uniform a uniform and that's, literally everything. It's a bear shako is what he's wearing. Bearskin shako. What does that have to do with the UK? <laughs> Nick, I'm going to come round to your house and punch you in a second. Are we being trolled? I mean, doors locked, I, so... I think we are. Okay. So... <clears throat> But yes, the 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 the, the Holloman, the whole idea of that these are the deserters of the, the the armies, the kingdoms of men, who've wandered away from the battlefield and seen this light in the distance that was just something that reminded them of home. You know, the 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 the, the fireplace of the pub near where they were, the the hearth of their homestead, something like that, and they wandered towards this sort of you know warm, soothing, calm light, only to find when they get there that it is the Lantern Man. Um, it's kind of, yeah, it's it's kind of a really neat backstory, and I think that's that's something that I've I didn't know I'd been missing from some new stuff. And it's like oh, it's another of X, whereas this time it's like these have a really cool backstory. Here's what they do. Like, wicked. This is nice. This is a, a different take on the Iron Kingdoms whilst still fitting nicely within the fluff. Is it because of the... Now, this is one of the complaints. Is it because it's uh, a lot of that fluff is now not in the books themselves? It is now part of the Skull Island stuff, which I know myself, and I know a couple of other people haven't read those books at all. Um, I, I, I don't... I don't buy the uh, the actual rules books anymore anyway. Mm. Um, so what I get now, I get through Audible because that's far easier for me to uh, to, to consume. Uh, I've just finished Blood of Kings on audiobook, which was <sighs> mediocre narrator aside. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I feel it was a, a, a poor choice narrator. Um, was a really good story. And it's one of those things of you, you kind of remember exactly what it is the game's meant to represent at that point. I realize I'm getting a bit off topic here, but I don't care. Um, it's and, his uh, podcast and he'll do what he likes. <laughs> no, it's our podcast and I've always made that point. Um, and it's, at, at some point of it, it's always nice to have something story-driven behind a game. Well, he's going to be a story-driven force, as you say. Uh, what Chris has put into the uh, chat here, he said that um, apparently they said that the army book is going to be Tales of Each Unit and not a traditional army entry. Yes. Um, so, um, for instance, I've actually got a good example for this. One of the new warlocks is the Wanderer. And what they've said is that they're not doing a traditional layout for his pages. What they're doing, in fact, is setting the artwork and having his tail weave its way 
through, between, over, under, around the artwork, so that to actually read what the Wanderer is about, you are going to have to go on a journey around this double page spread. Yeah. Just sorry. Just before we we uh, yeah, that is it's an interesting and valid point. We can come to it a bit more. Uh, one of the seminars that was on over the weekend um, by Matt Getz was around the. Um, you sure that's not goats? It's gets, definitely oh. gets. Just checking. Um, <laughs> um, around the um, faction fiction, we're going from Mark Two to Mark Three. Not not so much about kind of you know, um, hit state of the nation, anything like that. Um, more kind of like the process of how they went through everything, what they've done, and, and where they've kind of made changes and what have you. And the interesting thing he said is they are looking to which is reading lists, uh, faction by faction. So if you are collecting Signar and you want to know what's happening in the world of Signar, you will need to read book X, Y, and Z. If you are a Kador player, then you'll need to read books B, C, and X, um, and kind of going addressing it that way so you, so you will know what it is you should be reading, and you have access to that so you can read it. That's something I can get behind because I'm... I that's that's actually a nice extension of the stuff they've been doing for uh, the no quarter complete article list for a long time, which told you, okay, if you want to read the the fluff in chronological order, here's where it all is, and yeah. and and so you can piece together where in the timeline all those little stories fall because some of them are many decades apart. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, so it's it's nice to know that they're actually taking more of a concern over that kind of stuff and making sure that new players into the game um right, so some of them it won't be important for but some people are absolutely story driven and to actually have that you know that reading list when you come in that says okay to know the journey that your faction has taken to reach the point where it is now this is where you need to have come through it can also that, be like um, when you, you you find that you click with a character. So, for example, on the tabletop, I very much get on with Kane and Haley, but from a fluff point, I really, really like Kane. So, looking into what books and things Kane's in is fantastic. Obviously, we, he, I'm lucky because he's got Mark of Kane and whatnot named after him that make it nice and easy to find where his fluff is. If you but like Kane, if I jump. If I joined now and I wanted to read about Stryker and back in the Menoth War, I'd have no clue where to start. If you like I mean, Kane, you'll like Blood of Kings. Yeah, I've, I've read Blood of Kings. Kings. I've read Blood of Kings. I haven't finished uh, Mark of Cain yet, which is after Blood of Kings. So I think this month's Audible credits went on um, book one of the uh, Houselingers. I'll have to check that one. Fair enough. So I should have that to listen to. Um, but yes, it, it, it is not... I mean, it, again, it is... If you click with the character, it's nice to know where does their story come into all this. It's like, I, I know that there's very little of McBain, and I like him as a character, especially... He's in Blood of Kings. Yes, he's in Blood he of is. Clearly <laughs> the best bit of Blood of Kings, obviously. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I do have right here my uh, my Chibi McBain pin, so... Uh, oh. Anywhere we can read about uh, Big Ben's Ethereum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I was originally, I looked at that uh, pin and I was like, that's a bit rubbish. And then I looked at it again and it's just really kind of actually quite cute. It's the fact that he's got the teapot and the teacup. Yeah. That that just sells it. I mean, Big Ben Synthereum, eh, okay. But then the fact that he's got the mug of tea, yes, okay. 
You've won me over. Congratulations. Uh, it was pretty good. It was pretty mm. good. I, I'm, I'm hoping there'll be sort of a, maybe a second run of them for the US crowd because I'm sure there'll be a few of our US counterparts who will quite enjoy getting their hands on that one. Well, yeah. Well, um, uh, there weren't second runs of the um, wrong line snap drop in. Oh, it's a good point. Yeah, yeah, true. Oh, if anyone wants to buy that, I have a spare. So do I. I'm not selling it. I'll trade. Well, really, you will sell it eventually. Oh, yeah. I'll trade. You'll need it for crack or at some point, like Call of Duty. I will say as well, there was no second. There was no second yeah. run of the UK Masters pin, although there was, there was a a strikingly similar one that was. Uh... <laughs> you know, the Masters pin, wasn't it? Yeah, they just removed um, UK National. Yeah. Yeah, from it. So, but anyway, we've we've gone off topic. Of uh, we have completely gone off topic. Grimkin. We have yes. loads and loads of info about Grimkin. Do we actually want to talk about all the various info? Oh, I wouldn't say go. Or make people go and listen to Primecast. Yes, uh, Primecast is an excellent source of information on this. Uh, they go through um, a lot of very interesting stuff. I think that you know, kind of main points you need to know that the, the big one is that outside of Old Witch two and three, note that it's two and three. Um, they don't have feats. They have instead Arcana. You mean Old Witch 3? Because Grimkin don't have Old Witch 2. No, uh, no, 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 no. No, they do. do. No, they don't. Yeah, it's they do. No, they don't. Old Witch 2 is a Kador caster. No, it's not. Three it's is Old a Grimkin Witch. Warlock. It's the other way round. It's, it's the other way round. No, it's not. It's they do. Old Witch 2 is Kador, and Old Witch 3 is after she opens the gates. Mm-hmm. They are like Sturgis in that they have the identical stats, have the same feet, and then they have unique spell lists okay. and yeah. a different what, ability. What, okay, uh, re- regardless, what we were told was the numbers were the other way around. Okay. Yeah, anyway, in Primecast, I, I, I they confirm I, it. I honestly don't think it matters too much. Um, yeah. because it's the same model just with Warjack and Warbeast replacements. Yeah. Um, and she has a feat. She's the only Grimkin Warlock that has a feat. The rest have Arcana, which are triggered abilities. So what this means is that during the uh, opponent's turn, if you're a Grimkin player, you will have uh, its three cards in front of you. One will be your major arcana, which is unique to that caster. And two of them will be from a pool of ten you will choose after seeing your opponent's army. Now, we don't know where this fits in in regards to ADR, but uh, as it's, um, as I believe it's after you've rolled for deployment as well, I would imagine it's, af- it's after everything, yeah. which could be yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Um, so what these are, they're triggered by things like you know, an opponent kills a model with a ranged attack in your control area, or a model um, with well, a larger... About one of them that we, that we definitely know, which is, yeah, I think you're about to, the Shadow. Really yeah. cool name, by the way. It's, it's, I, 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 do you want to go through this? I can't, I can't remember the exact mechanism for triggering uh, this, So for the Shadow, yeah, when an enemy model... Uh, enters melee range of one of yours as you being the Grimkin player um, if the enemy model's base is larger than the model they entered you can choose to trigger the shadow Uh, when you trigger the shadow you place a heavy war beast into play anywhere within five inches of the enemy model that engaged yours Uh, that heavy war beast will last for one round however it can't attack uh, can't attack can't advance but can attack and uh, of note as well, you cannot pull Fury off it. I guess it would go before the Fury. Unless I have found some way to gain Fury in your opponent's turn, it wouldn't have a point where it can. Um, so, for instance, 
if yeah if they found some way to kill it on your turn you couldn't get the fury back from it so you would place it during your opponent's turn because they've moved you would then have your turn i guess they could kill it in your turn if you had a free stroke yeah okay i didn't i wasn't aware of that part that wasn't yeah. discussed yeah. On prime, but... no that, that was one of the things that they were very much at pains to uh, mention in the um <laughs> in the seminar because it does create some oddities because there could be ways that you could for instance pull fury off it and end up with your caster having more after upkeeps and just uh it, it could get into very messy circumstances but yes um being able to place a temporary war beast for a turn uh that's unpleasant uh even if it's only just to go ah you've charged me with some cavalry uh, no, just no more. You're getting that one, no more. Yeah, that could be interesting. I was also thinking that you can just set yourself up for assassinations because within five inches, if their caster's too close, you just yep. place a heavy war beast in their caster's back arc, especially if that caster's already activated this turn. Yeah, I would be worried. Um, one thing I think they, they did say with the Arcanas, so as with everything in War Machine, it's, uh, and Horse, it's a completely open knowledge game. But yep. when they were originally testing this, they did have the arcanas as hidden so you didn't know what they were until your opponent chose to trigger them and apparently it just made grimkin hell to play against probably Haley 2 back at the start of mark 2 levels of hell yes um will did say will hungerford did say that they were no fun to play against when they were secret because you had to assume that they had every single one of these traps um i mean the only way i could see to balance that would if they did decide they wanted to have kept it as hidden would be to um force the trigger on them so the first time it happens this then happens but kept the rule that only one arcana can trigger per turn because there is a rule in there only one arcana can trigger per turn so yes. if you choose to trigger the shadow you're not triggering your major or your second minor Yes, so the, 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 there are rules about these yes it's it's one per turn and when one has gone that is it for the game so it, it's it's essentially three miniature but reactive feats. Yeah. So I, what do we think of this system? I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's, uh, it's a different spin on, on the game as we know it. I think kind of it's time for a bit of a change and a bit of a, uh, a mix-up, kind of see how this goes. And, you know, we may see more of this sort of thing in the future. So I'm, I'm all for it. I think it could be uh, good for Got to agree there. I mean, the feat system was starting to get there were problems with balancing feats because a lot of what people would look at on the Warcaster were the feats and not necessarily the whole of the army or the whole of its spell list and things like that. Now, they tried to do more unique things recently with the introduction of Warcast units, uh, led to really interesting things like Haley 3 and her ability to bring models into play with their own spell lists and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you look at her feat, it's not fantastic, but when you look at what it comes with, it's amazing. Um, and so they were pushing the boundaries of what they could really do with the feat system. This gives them an option to completely change things up. Arcanas can be um, very situational, and because it allows that chop and change uh, match to match, it means that you can have things that are ridiculously niche because there is a situation where you'll want to use it. Um, and that's really refreshing. Uh, what Alex said about um, being interesting for the game. Well, something else they, they said in that Q&A was that uh, they confirmed that Grimkin are a forces. They're not a full faction like um, Kador, Signar, Trolls, whatever. Um, they might 
get future releases. We'll see where that goes. But they did, I believe it was on the forums, um, it was said faction, that they are the first, uh, first slash second of the forces and that there's going to be more because they said forces plural. Uh, no, factions plural, I think it was. And that more will potentially be coming. And this really excites me because the idea that Zoo could appear as a small forces or just open or anything in the world. I mean, at this point, I would love Lael to become their own faction, their own little forces and have a Lael forces book or a Morrowind. Or, I mean, there's just... Well- it opens the world. You are going to see those books. Um, it's just that they're going to be coming as part of the mercenary theme books. So there is going to be more in the way of here is a unique thing because we know that there are going to be um, things like Lely's mercenary models who won't work with the current um, mercenary setup. They won't work in a normal army. That's something they did point out. Um, uh, it was the uh, the Menoth one that actually said there will be models coming along that will work in a knightly orders army, not a straight Menoth army. So it's, it's interesting to see where they're going to go with all of that. Um, it has a risk for some overcomplication, some bloat, but I think with stuff like CID, we'll see most of that hammered out before it actually hits. Um, CID itself is interesting. We don't really talk about CID much. We've mentioned it a couple of times, haven't we? But we've not really gone into it. I mean, the long and short of it is uh, that they are bringing back community-wide playtesting. They've sort of acknowledged that they can approach and playtest internally, but a lot of the problems with factions or perceived problems aren't seen until the uh, rules are out in the wide world and you have thousands of players theorying and practicing um, because often you do find that it's that one mind that comes up with something that nobody else thought of and it yes. shakes everything. Um, so, for a long time, so, it can take a while for that. So to one of the things that was actually um, talked about not in any of the seminars, um, just as a kind of off-the-cuff comment, was that um, two of the people involved had sat there and play-tested the Kador theme force for weeks beforehand. They'd played dozens of games, tried to get it in the most broken state it could, and then half an hour after it was out, someone went, uh, yeah, I think I can get Scrapjack like, into the opponent's deployment zone, turn one. And they went, uh, that works, but we hadn't seen it. What? What's going on? So that, that kind of tells you what happens when you release these things into the wild. Uh, and I think with community integrated development, they they can only improve their offering. I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, with them changing to um, the more digital model, the, the model yeah. that you see with your big video games these days, where um, things are tweaked once they're released. Uh, and with 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 uh, War Machine Hods taking that approach now with a physical miniatures game, um, the CID is effectively their PTR. This is their yeah. public test realm. There's no models to go with this. There's no official cards to go with this. You can access them if you want to. You can proxy them up, and they will encourage you to proxy them up. Uh, obviously, you can't go play in a tournament with them because uh, that's not how this goes. But um, it does allow you to really put uh, the tests on. And it, it means that we're never going to get... The situation like uh, the WTC was it last not last year the year before uh, where we uh, there was a big change just after lists had been locked 
because we're going to see the changes a month or two before they actually happen and have yeah. the chance to, to make sure that these are the right changes. Yeah. It means also means the Doom Train should hopefully slow down a little bit. No, because, no it won't. No. No, it, no, it never will. It but never will. In, in an ideal world, you would think that uh, if... If every if some if the world regards something as so broken that you must change faction to play it, that hopefully something would be done to address that. One can but hope. Is all I'll say. People do love being bitches, Chris. You are correct. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, is there anything really too much more? I, I I don't want to go through everything that was said on Primecast. I want to go through model by model. It's nice that we have this kind of this reference that Nick has found for us because <laughs> some of these just, just I mean, look wrong. I mean, I'm just gonna say my favorite unit in the in the game exists now, and I'm I don't even care because I'm not sure. I I really love the aesthetic of Grimkin. The rules mm. really interest me, but with them being a forces and not a full faction, I'm not sure whether I want to dive in or not. But I will be picking up a unit of Nayslayers because Gremlins riding hobby horses, fuck yes. <laughs> <laughs> Single wound, small based cavalry, armor piercing. Was it power seven? Seven power sevens, yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> just grab no hobby horses. No, 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 no. Um, okay. So I, I think we've kind of uh, yeah. I think we've uh, we've gone through most of those. So okay. So now I suppose we can move on to wider talking a bit more about um I would say our smog con experiences, but mine and Benji's were largely the same. Yeah. Yay! I mean so, I can go through my smog con experience really quickly. Uh, yes, we we know you can. Because um, <laughs> you didn't have much of one. For those uh, who don't know, I was escorted away on work, and I managed to arrive at SmogCon at about three o'clock on the Sunday. Just when did it? The end of the convention at five thirty. There, there we go. Shut down at five thirty. So you had oh. a good couple of hours. There. Uh, and during that two and a half hours, I think I walked around, said hey to a few people, played a couple of board games of Epic with you guys, and then packed up. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I actually managed to have games of tiny epic kingdoms that weren't with my housemate who hates the game. So, you know, that's, that, was, that was a good start. How can um, you hate that game? It's so fun. I must say, I was not switched on for any of the games that you had in that box. <laughs> and I'm sorry my face kind of went... <laughs> right, I'll ben... bring Koo next time and we can play Koo, yeah, Bench? Yeah, oh, yeah. No, what? no, no. Not Kim again. I haven't played it with you guys, but I'm sure it's just as bad. <laughs> can't deal with Coup, sorry. Really? No. Can't what, about, deal what about Resistance? Oh, Resistance is much better. Resistance is just Battlestar Galactica without the board. Yeah. As I said, Resistance is Battlestar Galactica without the faff. Resistance is also a paranoia machine. Uh, yes. But, but I, yes. I... I mean, I really want to play some Paranoia, actually. I'm going to put that down on my list of stuff to introduce the guys at the office to. Anyway, none of this is small. I mean, it's geeky stuff, and we're a horse-watching podcast. Alex, yeah. talk about your small con, because you, you had some interesting painting. Talk about the painting thing, because it was, it was a lot better this year from what I saw, like people's offering into the mix. Oh, yeah, the painting competition, yeah. There's uh, tons of entries. Um uh, well, what do you want me to say? Well, whatever. You, just <laughs> talk about the whole damn thing, because um, it's, yeah, it's. Hang on, hang on. No, no, no. Stop, stop, stop. Alex, Smogcon, go. Okay. Um, painting happened. Things happened. Um, yeah. So, I mean, painting wise, I think there was more entries to the painting competition this year than there's ever been. 
which can be a good thing. Um, I don't know the actual exact numbers on it. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you that, unfortunately. But, um, but yeah, on the whole, I think the, the standard as well was 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 up, was higher, um, made it considerably more difficult than, than previous years to judge. Uh, you know, a couple of years previously, there's been you know, a couple of entries that have quite clearly been, you know, head and shoulders above the rest. This year, there was a couple that could have quite easily have won the uh, the Grandmaster. It was won by uh, Luke Foster, um, who's over in the Hull, I think, I want to say. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, he had uh, Saxon Auric with a, a pack beast, which was uh, very nice. The, the miniature told a lovely story, um, and it was quite simple. It was just, I'd say, Saxon Auric and the... Um, Oh, I can't. It's, I think it's a Bultra or something like that. Yeah. Um, the beast from the uh, Effort Scouts. Um, yeah, oh, yes. I, I, he's been posting updates on this on uh, Twitter. I did see that beforehand. That is an absolutely cracking example of a sort of yeah. miniature diorama kind of thing going on. Yeah, yeah. I think he was he was really shocked and surprised to have won. He was not anticipating. I think he, he'd gone in hoping to get a bronze and he ended up coming away with a silver. Uh, and the Grandmaster. Unfortunately, this year there were no golds. Uh, a couple of models that were kind of knocking on the door, should we say, and, and could have could have got up to that level, but just uh, a couple of couple of areas let them down. Um, I think more and more people within the UK and Europe are realising that competitions aren't uh, competitions like this aren't for gaming pieces. Um, yeah. There were a few a few entries that were gaming pieces it's quite obvious they're gaming pieces and kind of unfortunately does sort of rule them out of, of winning an award because it's just that's not what what is being looked for i mean there were a couple of well, gaming I, pieces that got that that is always one of the arguments about this kind of competition though um i know it's one certainly that um and i, I kind of have to stand up for our absentee friend as he's not here uh that kurt takes a very different to view on it's a very interesting one as to whether a painting competition should be about creating the best artistic miniature you can and working from there or creating the best tabletop piece you can and they're very different skills and they're very different areas uh, it's always an interesting discussion as to sort of you which one you're aiming your painting competition at yeah uh, i think it's the best thing you can do with in that situation is, is be clear at the outset i think that is Kind of the, the the very name of the competition, the P3 Grandmaster, you know, to me suggests that that you are looking for the best of the best, and that is you know display quality. Dallas, the the studio painter, um, weighs uh, paint and hobby manager, I think is his uh, official title. Um, who was over was was kind of saying you know yeah, a competition piece. Realistically, you're looking at a hundred hours of work on it. Mm. Um, to get to, and obviously, you know, different people work at different speeds. I'm not saying, you know, as a minimum, you have to put 100 hours in, but as a sort of a commitment to that miniature, that is is what you have to put in. And it's, it's much the same techniques, and this is, again, something from one of his seminars, much the same techniques as you'd use for, for painting an army at a tabletop standard quickly, but just done in a more refined way and, and, and more kind of tuberous blending was one of the things he was, he was showing us. And you're doing more blends, you're doing more layers, more transitions, more to get that transition smoother, to get the blend smoother. Um, and, you know, putting your heart and soul into something, you know, it's, it's not easy, but, but that is, is what is required if you want to do well at competitions. Yeah. I do think it's, um, the, the, the painting side has always been sort of a John Webb's baby. He's always been very clear that he wants the absolute... I mean, he doesn't want anyone to be scared of entering because... 
partially the critique is a way of improving your painting but he always wanted the the winning minute to be something that was uh well not the the, the awards miniatures because there is i don't think there is, actually is an outright i don't know whether there was right when i was on them, but yes but he wanted those kind of the, the top miniatures to be the cream of what we could see and you know it, it, yeah. it's, it's clear from what we've seen over the years that that ha is a standard that people are going I need to raise my game for this. Yeah, definitely. And that's kind of what you know, he wants. He, he, Dallas, who's doing the main part of the judging, he sort of said to you, know, be harsh, be you know, critical, because if, if you're not, then how are people going to improve? And how are people going to get better? Hmm. And how is the standard going to improve year on year? So and that is something that I think he, he, he did well. He did, you know, Dallas definitely was critical. Um, you know, he, but that is, is important, and it is... Um, cruel to be kind and all that. It's, it, it's, it can be important and it is important to help, help improve. Yeah. I think for me, it was uh, discussing once or twice with John Webb um, how I did my painting, that it became clear to me it's like, I'm never going to enter painting competitions because I, 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 I get miniatures to be good enough to be on the table in my eyes. And kind of after that, it's, it's a really hard push for me to go back and keep going from that you yeah. have to have that kind of mind that says i want to keep being better um yeah and, and, and that's the thing with, with tabletop miniatures you know if you're painting an army you don't want to be sending 100 plus hours on each miniature you want to yeah. be kind of blasting through them you want to be spending you know I mean, one of the things that dallas was saying the way he paints an army if he's painting well anything generally studio um studio miniatures and army for his personal use he looks at it in, in projects and he sort of says you know each project should last no more than three hours and a project could be plus painting a solo or painting two solos or painting the you know if it's studio going through and painting the a unit of I don't know, anything anything you can think of um so you know he's got those projects and that's what he kind of works off and you split it into those chunks, and again, that can kind of you can you can apply that to to painting a, a competition piece. But you're not going to want to game with that competition piece because again, you've poured your heart and soul into it. You've spent hundred hours on it. Last thing you want to do is is throw dice into it and, and chip it. Or and again, if you're painting for competition, do paint something that's not part of your army. Forces you to uh, to stay away from from the piece. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. I'd, I'd heard there were more sort of um, paint-related hobby sessions that were running over the weekend. So, so what kind of stuff was uh, Dallas running over the weekend? Because I, 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 um, I got to see very little of this. Yeah, yeah. So he did a Troopbrush Blending uh, seminar. Um, he did uh, one on uh, flesh, tattoos, uh, metals. Um, kind of, he did a sort of a series of kind of more general hangouts where he would you know, just kind of sit and chat and, you know, if you wanted to show some of your miniatures, get some feedback, kind of some insight on, on what you can do to improve your painting and where you can go. So that was that was really helpful for a lot of people, I think, as well. Um, but, they, I mean, the, the kind of the lessons that he was doing were, were typically a couple of hours long each. Um, again, so give some really good insight into, uh, into to ways you can simply and easily improve your painting. Um, I don't know if anyone's seen any of the, the videos they've done on, on YouTube. Um, I've I've seen that they have started popping up with the occasional um, hobby related video. Yeah, speaking to Dallas has quite big plans for that. He's got a lot of things in in the works that he's going to be putting out more and more um, hobby stuff, which is is again a good thing for the community as a whole. Well, I mean, they did originally plan um, through uh, 
Ron Cruzy to do uh, uh, a series of DVDs on kind of building up from basic painting techniques to something more advanced. But yeah. I don't think they've ever really got past the first DVD. So it's, it's interesting. It's no. interesting seeing now that they're actually going back to um, so that planned area and actually kind of fleshing it out a bit more, but in a very public arena rather than on a DVD you have to order from yeah. PP. And that was Ron, who was over last year, was actually saying that he, he did mention last year, you know, with the advent of YouTube um, and, you know, social media, you know, there is that opportunity to put out more content like that. Because if you if you think, if you're, if you're publishing a DVD, you want that DVD to be a decent chunk of time to give people value for money when they're purchasing. You don't want to spend kind of 15, 20 dollars or, you know, sterling equivalent on a DVD for it to be 10 minutes long. It takes a long time to put something like that together. A lot of resources go into it, the production of the actual, you know, hard copy and the, the case and the cover and everything else that goes with it. Whereas with YouTube as a, you know, as a media medium, if you will, um, you know, you can publish something up pretty much straight away and it's there and people can watch it and people can take it. It's free of charge. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic medium and I think it's something that they've been looking at for a while and obviously had, oh well, I don't know if it's the push or, or what, what it's taken to get it done, but they, they're now there, they're, they're using it and yeah, I think it should be uh, interesting to see how they, they progress and where they go with it. Well, it's, it's all part of PP's kind of um, community commitment. I think is yeah. the, the best way of that. Okay. So, um, I mean, I would give kind of my in-depth thoughts on SmogCon as well, because uh, that was kind of the area where Alex was. Um, my thoughts on SmogCon extend as far as the uh, the Iron Arena desk, um, because that's where I could be found most of the time. Um, in, in fact, Will Hungerford did comment at one point, do you ever leave that desk? I'm like, uh occasionally i go to sleep and sometimes i have breakfast that's that's really it so um from my point of view we had uh, uh just huge amounts of iron arena players i mean i wasn't there last year which was uh, allegedly had more people at it um but seeing that one big gaming hall and it at occasions being pretty much entirely full. Uh, that was just impressive. Yeah, uh, last year it was really busy. Um, yes, yes it was. And this year, I, I think we made it harder for ourselves, but we made it easier at the same time. It, it was a very... I, I, I thank people for the, the people that had patience with us. Um, especially due to the nature of how we were trying to run the iron arena this year. And we did, we did the best with what we could um, and then the manpower behind it as well. So uh, thank you to those that did have patience with our um, technical issues. I was going to say, uh, there was only one real major technical issue of the weekend. Um, the rest of anything else was the usual, we've had a tournament come in, it's going to take a while to enter that, so you can't spend your points right now. Sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah, but we and, did. And that's always going to be the case, regardless of what system we're running, because it has always been the case. I mean, you've been there sort of in earlier years, Nick, and, and, and seen the chaos that uh, that kind of uh, data entry causes. 
Yeah, I mean, we've had this discussion quite a few times now. Um, how long's the pit been running now? Four years? Three years? Uh, well, it first started running at Guildford, which was year three, so three, yeah, four, so three five, years. six. So, yeah, four years. Three, four, five, six, yeah. Uh, you weren't there last year. Um, but, I, I mean, we've had the discussion where I am very much of the opinion that um, competitive shouldn't count towards your iron arena. And then we have this discussion about inclusion, and it all goes around in circles. I never win. <laughs> um, I, I'll be honest. I, I was of the same opinion. Um, but then after a certain point, they took the prizes away. Yeah, from they have comp. taken the prizes away from comp now. Um, so, but I which, mean, like one of the biggest feedbacks I've had over this year, and bearing in mind I wasn't even there for that long at SmogCon, but I still have four or five players talk to me about the pit, um, was that um, it was much easier to enter a tournament, play four or five games and it take 12 hours mm -hmm. and you got 12 points whereas somebody who was actively in the pit uh trying to earn those 12 points would burn themselves out a lot more because they were more likely to be playing somewhere closer to eight to ten games trying to fit food in and whatnot else yeah, that's that's interesting because that's directly opposite of what someone like uh, Del Stewart said. Now, for reference to the world outside, um, there were two prizes at SmogCon that were um, yeah, the top end. They were uh, two wheelie bags with um, a choice of foam inside. And we worked at the, the system was you'd have one point for every hour that you played in. Um, and we decided, okay, we want the bags to be let's have six hours sleep a night allowed and the rest of the time in, uh, you know, doing stuff at the convention. So they were 45 yeah, points each. As well, you, like you say, you, you got the points from comp, you got the points from yeah. attending seminars in the kind of boardroom. Um, if you took part of something in something organized or an arena uh, over the weekend in that hour, you would get a point for that. Yeah. Shopping didn't count there. No, nor did queuing for the shop, um, although watching the presentation of the Grimkin did. So we had this system. Now, what uh, Del Stewart came back to me with was it was much more relaxed this year because what he could do is he could play until like 10 minutes past an hour, finish up his game, go away for an hour and 40 minutes, have a bit of a lunch, a bit of a drink, get a loo, whatever, Come back, start his next game ten minutes before the next hour, <clears throat> and not lose out on any points. But the yeah. argument I had was that you already have that built into a tournament, unless every single one of your games is going to time. There uh, were no, there were no breaks in the tournaments. Uh, true, but unless every single one of your games is going to time, you have break periods built into the round. You finish you finish a game in thirty minutes, and you have an hour spare where you're not needing to play. Uh, and it is very rare that uh, your game, every game in that tournament, will go to time. No, that 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 is that is true. But I think you have you have more control over it in the pit than you do in a tournament. Yeah, I think you know it's maybe about playing smarter, not harder. You know, because if if you are playing for every single second of every single hour, then yeah, yeah you're going to get burnt out. But if you like you say, if you, if you play a bit smarter, if you know you take a break. Uh you know, just, no, I agree. There is There are ways to do it. But I think it's the first time we've used this system. I don't think people quite realise that 
there were these uh, loopholes, as it were, the ways to game the system. Because, I mean, we yeah. did talk about this before we yeah. even actually uh, uh, I, I, got I to have, the event. I and have said actually, you could... <clears throat> I have actually decided now that um, we, we tried and we tried and we tried to put a lid on gamification of the system and this is the one thing that was there was the one thing that was held there uh, from uh, captain con as you cannot game this system you can you quite clearly can because as uh, <coughs> one of the winners of the big prizes said if i win this you have failed <laughs> gamification and it's true so next year I'm not going to try. I mean, um, honestly, it, my it, suggestion it, is that we, um, we, we go back to days of old. We go back to what used to happen at the Welsh. I don't know if it still does, come to think of it. What used to happen at um, other, uh, like other outside of um, small scared, events. Man. And what happens at Insomnia, which is that for every game you play, you have limitations on how many games you can play, one an hour or whatever like that. You earn yourself a raffle ticket. And then the prize uh, no. raffled off. Yeah, the no. raffle ticket thing no. has been... No, yeah. I, I, I really don't like that. Um, so uh, for next year, uh, I'm, I'm already working on this system with both um, mm -hmm. Plazoid and Barry and Jason, um, where... <sighs> We're going to keep the point an hour thing because... But, so my big issue, my really, really big issue with the yeah. point an hour is that the fun parts... <clears throat> I mean, I've always been on the other side of the desk, so I guess I haven't actually been and played to do it myself. But the seeming fun parts is the achievement hunting, the playing um, a player of every different faction... Which is why you should have let me finish. From. Okay, okay, okay. So, uh, <laughs> what we're actually going to bring back at the same time is points for playing new people. Okay. Points for playing different nationalities and points for fully painted. Now, what this will mean is there will need to be a rebalancing of the system. It will be different values of points and... That's something I need to look into, and I'll be looking into with Barry and Plazoid and Jason over the next 12 months. Um, but I'm pretty sure we can come up with a system where, uh, and, and this was purely unintentional, whereby players went along, and because there was no incentive to play someone new, some people would just turn up with their mates and play the same four people all weekend. And... Other people going well. I'm not going to play anyone new because people are just playing people they already know, Come and that was a, that was a seriously unintended consequence and one I'd not thought of at any point. Can we incentivize people to play different things? Because that is something that I had a lot of feedback that people did enjoy doing about the one of point uh, one of thing system. People played more Thunderdome. People played more Colossal Mania. Yep. People played more four way games. Um, bigger games and things like that um i didn't see this year that much variation in the type of games people were playing apart from dell and um and uh oh god who was it now who had the 350 point jack battle or something in, in, in the late nights and <laughs> in the late nights and overnights there were some um thunderdome games oh, okay um so yeah <sighs> Yes, we did have um, fewer variations in games, and that's something I want to bring back, because one of the things that came... If, if you haven't seen this yet, if you're part of the War Machine Hordes UK Facebook group, please do go in the thread and um, you know, just, just throw your 
2p in the ring to kind of to comment on this one because we, all the feedback we have is very valuable to us because we try and improve year on year um one of the pieces of feedback we got was that people do miss the themed tables yeah yes um yes the one I, I the first thing i did was look around for themed tables and then realized that wasn't any i was like oh yeah forgot that <laughs> so, um, but that hasn't been something since guildford either way no there were there was theme tables no there weren't theme tables last year because no uh, it, it was the year before there was there were really? a lock and load uh well so colossal mania uh was there the year after guildford uh but there were no others uh lock and load outpost also had theme tables yeah um so yeah i mean some of those will need some serious rebalancing uh for mark three i do have the full laid out rules for uh, smog pit which mm, that will need some tuning up quite I mean, horribly gonna, for mark three <laughs> once we get 2017 and we see what happens with sr 2017 i think we will be in a position where we can sit down and create that we've definitely yes. got especially with me and you now being down the road from each other we've definitely yeah. got the ability to come up with some crazy ass scenarios yeah. try them in games of our own and then put them out to the wider group. Um, so, so anyone fancies making some scenery um, for, 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 <laughs> for the problem we don't have, uh, we don't have Jimmy <laughs> making our scenery for us anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> so I, I mean I, I will I will do my best to get something there that is um, a bit different. Even if it is only using the uh, the tundra board uh, ice lakes to do the old ice lake scenario. Oh God. That, oh yes. God. I mean, did anyone play grind this? Um, uh, yes. Uh, so there was pit? actually a grind board. Um, Alex, you probably saw more of this than us. There was a grind yeah. board in the board game. Okay. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah. Cause yeah, that could be quite cool to, to bring back the old grind scenario as well to tie into the old game, but you know, refine it a little bit. I hear it's quite fun. I've heard. Well, I hear they, it teaches they, you your they, power attacks. They've kind of done that already, Nick. With a no quarter game. Oh, is that? I haven't seen that no quarter game. Then okay, so fair enough. So Nick's been living under a rock. <laughs> I just haven't had uh, no quarter for since I moved down here to Basingstoke. I do need to. Re it's probably still going to Glasgow. <laughs> are, are you not getting it digitally? No, I like the physical magazine. Okay, fair enough. I like. I like. I like having magazines as real things. Don't know why. Fair enough. Oh, damn it. Um, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I guess we do have to give in that things will be gamed, but the achievements do need to come back, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, we're, we're that, that is in the works. I'll, I'll be helping him out too, hopefully. <laughs> well, so, hopefully, the entire heavy brigade with, because I will be throwing down stuff like beer barrel bash <laughs> on those tables and going, break this. <laughs> oh, oh, you have. Well, that's not too bad. That's oh, that's that's silly. I mean, okay, I'm good with this. That's kind of the idea, though. Some of them, some of them have to be silly and breakable. But you're only going to play it like once in the weekend, maybe twice in the weekend. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, just just for reference for people who might not be aware. Um, so the scenarios we did were much more like the release event ones where you had silly things happening. You know, your army deploys on one boat, another army deploys on another boat, the boats pass each other, and you've got to try and damage the other boat or sink it or do whatever. Meanwhile, models are shifting into and out of each other's melee ranges as the boats pass, and it's, it's all kinds of chaos. Uh, we had um, 
Smog Pit, which was a variation on Thunderdome, which also included a battle group. Um, but if you got it to the center, you started getting a star action that alleged to damage everything else outside it. Um, you had uh, the Beer Barrel Bash, which is where you uh, essentially had two beer tents and some barrels in the middle of the field, and you were basically trying to get the beer back to your forces as quickly as possible. And if anyone blew up one of the barrels, that caused all your people to come angry for the turn. And it was it was just stupid stuff. And while it was in no way meant to be taken seriously, it was meant to be fun. Uh, and apparently it was. So, hooray. Um, However, now we've got work to do. Yes, yes. Now, now I have genuine work to do, and it makes me sad. Um... But yeah, as I said, we need we need SR 2017 before we yes. can do that, especially with the big changes that are potentially on the horizon. So, are you trying to professionally segue into another area of the show? I don't own a Segway. don't think I can drive okay, one either. This is somewhat unacceptable, I'm afraid. You know, you're, you're trying to be professional. Uh, <laughs> however, I'm being unprofessional in that I've lost the, uh, the page with it on. So, uh, one of the big pieces of news that's come out over the last few days is uh, some of the details on the new version of steamroller steamroller 2017 which is something of a departure i mean i'm going to be 100 percent honest here i like this not ignoring what it contains the fact that they are willing to change it again because when i first joined the war machine and hordes community and started playing steamroller back at the start of mark ii each year when it steamroller changed it did change quite drastically. A lot of changes came with uh, the, the scenarios changed quite a lot. The uh, some of the rules surrounding them changed quite a lot. The introduction of objectives, the introduction of flags instead of just having zones and various things that all uh, came. And I mean the ability to take choose your own objective and things. But for the past sort of three maybe four, probably close to three years. Steam, I don't think that there's, besides a few names and a few very small changes, Steamroller's been the same. You don't even need to have uh, really looked at the new rulebook to be able to play Steamroller. In fact, I don't think I've looked at the Steamroller 2016 rulebook outside of a tournament. Yeah. But now I'm going to have to, which is fantastic. Bring back radio scenarios. Woo! Uh, I know why they're not coming back. Yeah, I know. So, the first Steamroller system we played under was, as far as I'm aware, Steamroller 2010. Yeah, maybe. Which, which, which I have right here. Oh, wow. and, and, and it's awful. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Go back and try and play some of those Steamrollers, and then you wonder how we did it. So, the first scenario, just before we get into Steamroller 2017, the first scenario, well, the last scenario is one called Killbox. Yay! So, <laughs> Mark Killbox eight. was a scenario. Here we go. Special rules. Mark a 24-inch square centered on the table parallel to the board edges. This is the kill box. So 12 inches in from every side, you have this box. At the end of each player's own turn, starting on the first player's second turn, note first player's second turn, a player loses the match if he ends his own turn with any friendly warcaster or warlock not within the kill box. That's it. No CPs, no anything else. I just when, that's where Killbox got its name. That was an appalling scenario. It was hilarious. And let's not we not forget things like the Gauntlet. Do you remember the tournament we went to where somebody decided it would be a fantastic idea to mark all of the zones out with scenery? 
Yes, that was Ross on Y. And there was a <laughs> there was a different scenario on every table. Oh uh, yeah, because you didn't have the round play the whole same scenario. Tables could yeah. play different scenarios. That, that was also that was also the tournament where if you had to go to tiebreakers, you only got one point for a win. Uh, but if you if you got an outright win, you got two points, which annoyed me because I won all my games and only came about halfway up the table. However, the best part about all of these old um, these old steamroller things was that Death Clock didn't exist. <laughs> Time gonna, turns or nothing. We're not going to enter into that discussion. Anyway, <laughs> enough reminiscing about ye old days. Aye. Uh, I'll turn to Padge in a second. Uh, so, Steamroller 2017, what do we know so far? So, scenario scoring is very different. Uh, you still score CPs from controlling scenario elements or destroying objectives. Fine. Circle zones are only scorable by warrior models. Not true. I'll correct you after. Carry on. That's literally what Pagani says here. So if you're correcting me, you're correcting him as well. I thought the, the rule was that warcasters can control everything and yes. anything. So, 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 so what, what are most warcasters, Nick? But would that be warrior models? <laughs> okay, fine. But then again, <laughs> a, a battle engine warcaster can still control a uh, circuit. Yeah, battle engine. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> Denigra. Um... West Trent. Thank you, Alex. So, I knew you had my so, back. <laughs> so, rectangle zones are only scorable by warjacks, war beasts, or battle engines. Or oh, look! If war I'd continued, we'd have got to this point. Uh -huh. Warcasters and warlocks can score in any zone type as well as flags. There we go. That'll do. Dominate doesn't exist as it did in 2016 and is replaced with the ability for warcasters and warlocks to control multiple scenario elements at the same time. Ah, overlapping zones. I love it. I love all these people who have gone and got perfectly circular pieces of foam and whatever to put down and now they're going to overlap and they don't know where they start and end. It's going to be amazing long-lived place. We've glass. not had it confirmed that they're going to overlap. I mean, the one picture that we've seen of a scenario basically I, I, has a... Excuse me, Alex. Brackets. Such as overlapping or close proximity zones. Uh, <laughs> you, just got, you just got fucked. <laughs> you, you, you got pagani'd. You, you, you go... We, we need we need a warcaster that can sit on a flag in a circle in a tri in a, in a triangle in a in a rectangle. There's no triangles. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Just just reading from Chris Young. Uh, time turns are dead. Long live Death Clock. Time turns are not dead. They are the perfect way to train for Death Clock. And you can tell people who've only ever played Death Clock because on turn two you kind of just pass the clock over to them and sit there and wait. Perhaps make a cup of tea go and get lunch, you know, various other bits and pieces, because they cannot keep their turn in 10 minutes. You've never played War Machine until you've played five-minute time turns with no extension. Oh, boy, that was rough. <laughs> Super hardcore. Oh, those uh, days. Anyway, let's move back on to 2017. So, um, I think this is very interesting, because... <laughs> Much as other people said before that Steamroller is a way for PP to shape the game, this is a good indication that we have that PP are going, okay, if you want to, you can bring an all-warjack army, and you can contest. You're not going to get CPs off everything, though. Yep. And it's... it's 
it's their way of saying we see your spam lists and this is our answer to them. Uh, people were crying out in the last errata for dealing with some more of those spam lists. Now, they've curtailed some of them and people were worried that others were uh, had got by. But actually, this is the answer. This is what what it causes it. Yes, um, you can still bring as many. You can still bring Lucant and nineteen galvanizers. But as Mike just said, you cannot win on scenario um, as easily, especially with yeah. the other change we haven't talked about yet in the scoring system. Well, that that's like two points down. We'll get to that. Um, so, uh, Benj, Alex, any thoughts on this? Elephants. Oh, I forgot. Alex doesn't play the game anymore. Um, <laughs> I, to be fair, as I said, I haven't played that many uh, tournaments, and I very rarely okay. played for objectives uh, of recent times. So, I'm interested in it because. I'm See, I, I, in... I actually find that a very interesting statement because, to me mm -hmm. personally, Steamroller is the beating heart of the game. If you put down two forces on the table and don't put down a scenario to me, it feels very unfocused and strange. Even if, the, even if the scenario is not necessarily easily winnable, it's still there to give some focus to the flow of the game, if you see what I mean. It's like I, that game I played against, was it uh, the, guy, the Borker guy? Uh, uh, oh, uh, Kev. And we just completely forgot to put a scenario down because we had been chatting away about various other things and we would racked up and then we kind of went, we don't have a scenario. Oh, let's just play cricket pitch. It's been a while since we played cricket pitch. And the game was a mess. There was just things everywhere. And I was just like, it doesn't matter how much of his stuff I kill. I can't kill Borka. So I'm going to lose this game. It's just going to be a very long loss. Um, and it was just really interesting how this game, there was no central focus to it, and everything just went everywhere. I mean, the, the usual focus for most people that you play against is, can I kill your caster? And uh, then some people think halfway through the game, oh, I'm up, I'm, I'm in a position to try and score CPs. And that's... See that's, That's a very different mindset because I go into a game going, how do I get up on CPs while not losing most of my army and then try and stay ahead while grinding out to, to the end? That's my approach to a game. If, some, yeah. if somebody, in, in, in my experience and in, in my mindset, if somebody is, leave, if somebody is assassinatable, it's normally due to either an error on their part, which I can then take advantage of, or the game has gone incredibly well for me to put me in a position where I can do that. Hmm. It's interesting because um, I wouldn't say it's the latter, and I know definitely know people that play for play for the uh, for the attrition and uh, for the for the CPs and and everything like that. But I think a lot of people are very singularly focused as well um, on scoring. Uh, uh, by killing, sorry, by winning the game by assassination. This is very interesting. I think this this might be something that's related to the clubs that we kind of learnt the game in. Mm. Um, because I certainly know that the Dark Lords, everything was... Uh, you played extremely safe with your caster, more so than I know a lot of people do. Mm. Um, and you tried to kind of just mess with other people's scenario scoring while trying to get a couple of points in yourself. I'd say it depends wholly on, I think it's the more experienced player that tries to game for the CPs than it is the newer person who is trying to do the janky assassination. 
I mean, yeah, I think that the, the, it is evident with newer players. Newer players look for the assassination a lot yeah. more than uh, the scenario play. Maybe it is that well, I've been in the around in the game for a lot longer, and I was there back in Mark II where you were facing Legion lists that would just repulse everything out of the zone and then claim, claim the scenario. And so you had to learn to play the scenario around that, or you, you dealt with... Um, Kruger lists where he would feat to out scenario you, so you had to get that, and Denny lists that would lock you out of the scenario, and Haley two lists that would lock you out of the scenario, and because I've lived through that, maybe that's why my approach is different. That, that is an interesting one. It's it's curious, and we'll have to get some games in against you at some point, Benj, and see if there actually is a, a different kind of ethos to playing. It's well, interesting. Well, there's a different ethos for me because I am a I'm an idiot. Um, and <laughs> I, usually take, I usually take absolutely stupid dice roll odds and to to kind of go big or go home and um, never tell him the odds. But the thing is, yeah. so with, I mean, we've not covered the other points yet, but with the changes to SR, it feels as though we actually need to find a balance between the two of us, Benj. Right. Like, um, Okay, maybe assassin assassination becomes more optionable because you need to bring your caster forward to be able to get into those zones to be able to... I mean, we don't know what they all look like yet, but we can assume they're still going to be very central-based. Mm. Um, and that's going to start to lead you to maybe play more recklessly with your caster. Uh, you're not going to be able to throw your army forward to claim the zones because actually you would need to put your warjacks into an area that the opponent can just wipe them out. And so you can't get up on scenario. So you have to then bring your caster forward to claim something that nothing else in your army can. Mm. I, I, I think this is this is going to be very interesting when it hits CID. Yeah. Um, because, uh, again, this is all going through CID, so we can look forward to seeing it inside the next... Two or three, three weeks. Uh, well, no, three months. Oh, sorry, they're, they're not coming at the same time as Grimkin, are they? I think they're, they're saying coming. April for... Is April enough time to really grind it out before lock and load? So April for the public CID would be two months. Okay, maybe that's enough time, yeah. So it, it depends It depends on how much time they want for CID. That'd be really awkward to be practicing Grimkin for a couple of months before the SR changes because you'll be practicing them in a situation they've probably not been designed for. Well, it's it's, it's interesting in that uh, I, I think I know why they do it that way. So that you have two months of, I know the scenarios, let's see how these interact with the game. <clears throat> and then once the Grimkin, the, the Grimkin are solidified, then you go, okay, how do they interact with this new scenario setup? Because both SR17 and Grimkin will be lock and load weekend, yeah? That's mm. confirmed now. Yes, yes. Um, so, anyway, next point on the, the roadmap to SR2017. And this is a very hotly contested one. Random game length. Um, so, at the end of round five, you're going to roll a D6. If it's a five or six... The game ends. At the end of round six, you roll a d6. If it's a five or six, the game ends. And round seven, the game just ends. What do we think of this one? I think, again, it's, it's an interesting change. I think from the, the notes that they've released uh, in Pagani's thread, um, was saying that in, in playtesting, very few games have gone to round five. You know, whether or not that changes through CID, it may all be that he's highlighted that more games than anticipated are going longer. 
and hence they maybe change that to a six up and then down to a five up on, on round six. You know, that, that could be one change that I could potentially see happening. Um, or it may well be that we stick with it. I think that it's too it's too early to say without being able to see kind of how the scoring works properly and how that, that plays with it and whether or not you, you're more likely to win. Than five. Too early to say. You're being reasonable again. <laughs> it's, think, it's, it's too early to say it's this is why it's going into this format is because yeah. we don't know and i think as well it's, it's easy to say around five but i mean if you think think about it i mean i don't really know how many games i, I don't really keep track of, of of rounds but how many games are meaningful post round four so th- this this is one of those interesting things. We don't currently keep track of how many rounds things take. I mean, y- you have a vague idea of, oh, that happened on my turn three, four, I think. No, it must have been three. In this, we're going to have to be on top of it. It's something different and new to track. And I'm inclined from just thinking about games I've had to say, yeah, most of them are practically over in turn five, turn six. Um, whether with this scenario pack that becomes a more definite oh no, it's over by then Um, I will say one thing that I am happy about is that it actually makes scenario more relevant in Death Clock because previously in time turns you could do the thing of getting up on scenario and then go, okay, I'm going to play defensively from here I'm going to stop you scoring and if I can go the distance, I win the game at this point. It's up to you to come and get me. But um, then that, it doesn't stop that at all. Because if you're in a no, situation no, no. where you can no, contest, you just need to time out seven turns. That, that's what I was actually saying. It's bringing that into Death Clock, and that's actually something that I liked about time turns. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. I, yeah, okay. Because yeah, so I, 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 I thought you were saying people do it in no. Death Clock. You get up on time and up on scenario and then played yeah. passively and let your opponent time themselves out eventually because that is a tactic people do use in Death Club and it yeah. can work quite successfully quite a lot of the time. Okay, fine. Sorry, I do apologise. I misunderstood. No, that, 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 that's fine. Um, I mean, my initial reaction is get your games workshop out ooh. of my game. But Actually, we, we, we have a, a very interesting one here as well from Christian. Go on. In that, this will stop, at least for the most part, the clock being flicked back Every fifteen seconds. Yeah. How how that, often that is one of the biggest positives I have seen come out of this because uh, that's it, and I've had to do it myself, and I don't like doing it. But that point where you flick the cr- clock across to someone, they know that they cannot win in thirteen seconds, and they have to go. Yep, good game. And it is horrible to have to do, but at the same time, it's part of the game. And if this eliminates something like that. I am all for it. I mean, so I was going to go back to what I was saying. The my initial reaction was get the games, get your games workshop out of my game. But I come down a bit from that. I've looked at it a bit more, and as you said, a lot of the time the game is over by turn seven anyway. However, recently, especially in the Bristol tournament, I know of two games that went to a quite a high turn count yeah. because we were playing armies that just took a while. Uh, my game against Ryan, when he was testing out that pirate list uh, that was playing... A, so that that's a Mark Three theme force um, with a lot of recursion built into it. Ghost Fleet Solidarity. Went on for <clears throat> a, about eight or so turns and 
I lost to a mistake where I was I was um, assassinatable because I tried to push forward on scenario. Um, and the game would have, if the game had ended on turn five or turn six, we would have both been sat there with zero scenario <laughs> points and just like um, not really having had a game because it took that long for us to start chunking through our front lines to get somewhere. And I had a similar situation with with, with another game. I think it was in, in one of the other tournaments where it was Jack versus Jacks, and they didn't go very far for a while. Well, just to throw in a counterpoint here, if the scenarios are well-designed and designed around this game link, <clears throat> is that not something that's going to encourage you to get out there earlier and say, okay, we've got seven turns, I need to start going for the early score. Yeah, and so that's what I said with Benj, that you have to maybe have to play more recklessly with your caster um, and push a lot more in the early game. Um, I mean, turn one never really matters for much apart from positioning anyway. Yeah, it's the, it's the unpack so, your army phase. Uh, it's, you're effectively playing a maximum of a Ooh, I, I, six I, turn... I can test that a little bit, the unpack your army thing, because I've seen many people lose the game by unpacking their army incorrectly on the first term. We're not in the oh, day yeah. no, no. my feet go uh, anymore. It is entirely possible that you go, oh yeah, I'll send this unit over here, and then turn two you realise, oh no, wait, no, that was entirely the wrong unit sent to that side of board. <clears throat> oh, I've lost. Um, oh, okay. I've blocked my own child lanes. Oh, you know. Yeah, that happens. That happens all the time. Yeah. Um, but that's a that's a that's a managing your army thing. <clears throat> the thing, is, the the fact of the matter is, outside of a few corner case uh, scenarios, such as snipe feet go, um, telekinesis, telekinesis, temporal acceleration, and um, I'm just going to start vomiting on you in a second. And a few other little bits like that. T armies can't do anything to each other on turn one, and putting a, a top limit of seven means you're effectively only ever having six turns of potential combat uh, and potential game and a minimum of four. So you're saying effectively a minimum of four is acceptable. I'm not sure that is. I, I think the key thing here is that this could be good. It could be bad. We don't know until we've seen the rest of the pack here. We, we do need more information. I, 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 definitely. I think this one is the one that's the most able to swing either way in quality terms. Yeah. Um, and, and that would be a big part of CID. Is yes. That people will do this. And if it becomes a negative thing that t games are ending uh, where they're still playable, feed it back during CID. If that is genuinely yep. how it's feeling, feed it back. They'll yep. listen to it. They'll make their call. And it, it will, if it is a negative thing, it will go away. People yep. don't like their game being a negative play experience. That's why the Grimkin uh, Arcanas are open knowledge. That's why Haley too had controlling your opponent's models <laughs> taken out of her feet. Like, yep. Eventually, eventually, it, <laughs> it took them a while to realise that negative play experiences were bad. <laughs> they, they, they fucking did it just when I started mastering how to fuck someone's <laughs> life up, and I was like, "Oh, fuck God!" Every time I master something. People oh. go, oh no, it's great. You it's played Epic Haley, they took her out of the game. You played Harbinger, they took her out of the game. <laughs> exactly. It's just Benj, like, tell yeah. me what you're going to play next, so I'm not going to play it. 
<laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Ashford. Don't Ashford. start playing McBain for God's sake. I don't know. I don't like shirtless weirdos. Um, you know, he's he's far too weird. He's got you know the mutton chop. You know, sort of shirtless like weirdo. He's not shirtless. He looks like Draven from League of Legends. He's weird. I don't like people right. like that. You know, like. Uh, it's weird. We're going a bit bizarre now, but yes, yeah. we are. Okay. Okay. More right. information, right. and until we get the full pack, we're just going to be speculating wildly. Um, but I don't Wild speculation. I, I mean, I, I'm 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 the old one because for 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 a dice game, I don't like RNG, <laughs> and this is why I used I used to play things like Calandra, where I could just sit and fix my dice for days. I'm sorry, it's just how I play. I'm not a fan of RNG. <laughs> See, th- this is where I come at it from the, the Blood Bowl angle. Oh, be- fuck be- Blood Bowl. Be- Fucking... be- Being a former Blood Bowl player, I go, okay, what can I do first that doesn't involve any dice rolls? What what can I be certain will happen? And then you kind of work your way up from the, this is pretty much certain to happen, to the, okay, this one's more corner case. Um, and you try and mitigate the dice as best you can. The whole game is that, though. The whole game is mitigating the dice. But Yes, exactly. Because I had, because I had four hours worth of trains there and back uh, to Paris and then up to uh, Birmingham, I had my work laptop on me, which is very limited on what it can run. I put Blood Bowl Chaos Edition on there and played about eight hours of Chaos Edition this weekend. Ah, oh, I hate RNG. <laughs> Single D6 <laughs> systems. Mm. I decided to play decided to play necrotic. Uh, uh, necrotic? <laughs> a necromantic. The necromantic. I'll get it right. Um, just for just because I like giving the dog the ball and then he can run. And the computer killed my dog. So I restarted. They killed my dogs again. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> right, oh. oh, there we go. Okay, so next point on the list. Scenario victory. Oh, yeah, we're still going for this. Yeah, yes, we are. Surprisingly, we are still on the topic of Steve Rock 2017. <laughs> so, um, you no longer have to score five CPs to win the game. You must score six more than your opponent. I mean, at the moment, that means nothing. Because we don't know how many you can score in a turn. Right now... The maximum you can score in a turn is normally three. Maybe is there a situation where you can score four? Can you dominate I th- I th- a zone? I think something else and destroy an objective. Maybe I think most of the scenarios we could actually do that were taken out. Yeah, so I think three is like the maximum you can yeah. do if you're janky as fuck. Yeah. Um, well, at, the po- at the point where you're scoring three a turn, you've won. That's it. Game is over. At that point. If you can score the three, you must have done something so horrendous to your opponent, they're not back in it. No, not necessarily. There can be a situation where your opponent underestimates, uh, puts one toe in the zone on one model, and you telekinesis it out, dominate the zone with your uh, warlock and destroy their objective with guns, and they've got their entire army ready to come charging into the zone. (sighs) It's plausible, but it's on the unlikely end of things, let's face it. I mean... that's a hail mary from my my experience i think when whenever i've scored three it's been maybe maybe turn two if you beat you into the zone and, and managed to beat out what he's got in there kill the objective et cetera, et cetera. the six up thing has been clarified as a mercy end condition yeah it's basically i have humiliated you 
concede kind of thing. It's it, it's yeah. So there it, is. It's not in, still a cap, or I, not? I don't think it's intended to be the end of the game. Okay. It's it's there in case if you are far and away in the lead, then yes, end the game by all means. But I think this is intended to keep the scenarios live, to keep people in the game, and to actually say, okay, your opponent may be upon CPs. You're going into turn six, but you know what? The assassination is still there for you. You may be six two down, but if you can get the assassination, you're back in the game. And it's 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 interesting. It's it's that little bit of a balance out. Because you know uh, the the random turn length and the uh, more scenario zones and more scoring that puts it to scenario, and then this says, okay, we're going to give the assassination player something as well. Don't everybody comment all at once. They're catering for everybody, which can be a good thing. I'd say less catering for everybody and trying more trying to provide an environment where um, the maximal number of forces are viable. I mean. I said it before we were on air because this is the last point, correct? There's not any more points to go. Uh, on. No, there's one more on terrain. Oh, okay, I'll wait then. Go, go, go for the terrain point first. Ben, any thoughts before we move on? No, I'm good. Okay, fine. Whatevs. Well, this uh, is a, this is all hypothetical for me. I, I'm not very good at speculating like this. Gah. What? I just want to see stuff. I want to see it played. And... Chris, Chris Young has said something interesting here. He said scenarios are more about, uh, for, for 17, uh, scenarios are more about the flow of the game. Like a te- they're yeah. more of a tempo score. So the tempo can go back and forth, but you can only actually win on scenario if you crush your opponents, which means yeah. you're less likely to win by using control casters to just control your opponent out of the game. Like when I said back in the day where... Denegra could pop forward and feet and just annihilate you. Or not even annihilate you, just leave you and you can't get back into the game where Kruger used to be able to feet you out and drop your speed so you couldn't get back into the game. Uh, let, uh, let's not let's not forget the wonderful that into the grave. Let's not forget the wonderful days of walking a driller up behind Gorton, throwing him forward and going, No scenario for you for two turns. Ha <laughs> ha. That was amazing. The days of Griselle Tier 4, just running all of those infantry forward with Hoofit. That was less fun. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, yes, the final one on here is terrain. So, at the moment, we have, and this depresses me as a PG, it really does. We have nigh on a page of guidelines on this thing can't be within five inches of this, this can't be within two inches of the, these, these shouldn't be near flags and zones, but can be, but players can call you over if they want to. And it's just, uh, I, from year to year, people do not remember what the guidelines on terrain are. Is it three inches? Is it five inches? Which widget do I use? It's two and five, but there we go. <laughs> um, so scenario, uh, that's right. But this, but this terrain, one can't be within terrain. more than terrain. that one, right? Terrain will have three guidelines on how to place it not set maps you will not have to do any shuffling of terrain during events i i remain shuffle skeptical terrain. of that one people shuffle terrain apart from when they put their uh, trays on the board and knocked everything flying that's that's literally the point pagani went on to mention <laughs> um i will be interested to see where that goes because i am skeptical that you can provide me with three guidelines on how to place terrain that will consistently provide for a challenging and entertaining environment that I won't have to reshuffle at least, you know, 
20 percent of the tables every round i i, I remain skeptical but you know if they can do it fine but there we go uh so that was the uh, the length the length and breadth of pagani's update so nick you were going to say something previously and, and and didn't so. so we don't actually know the the terrain rules at the moment then they did he didn't give us those three guidelines nope oh okay fine that's fine yeah uh, what i said when we we're offline before before we went live is that uh 2017 the fact uh, for steamroll 2017 the faction to be sounds very much like it's retribution they're um they, they're the the army that brings the most combined arms force to the table right now and so they feel like they'll have the least change to them to adapt to Steamroller 2017. Um, I'd say with the current forces on the table, yeah, probably right. I'd say Mercs are in the same ballpark, uh, but that's largely because their jacks are so cheap that, yeah, you might as well bring four of them. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, they, they fall over like paper, unlike the Retribution ones. Um, what I am yes. worried about is we end up in a situation back in mark like back in mark 2 where so mark 3 has given us more warjacks and things like that but actually war machine armies still do bring some infantry your signals are bringing your lances your <laughs> uh, you see your your Kador players bringing some of your winter guard you see menos players with whatever infantry menos plays these days maybe i think <laughs> uh, but there is infantry on choir. the table choir yeah, that's the infantry army. choir but uh, well, that, that was my point. Going to be my point. Um, Hordes is still very much in a position where it's lots of beasts and then beast support a lot of the time. Um, there doesn't seem to be an abundance of of units in Hordes, that, at least that I've seen. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just not seeing the right thing. I, I, I think you're actually you're in kind of the right direction. I think there has been some encouragement of Hordes, uh, particularly Legion, to kind of you know please bring some other models but um, this is gonna so this will be a quite a shake-up for them when they're being forced to take yeah. infantry that they're uh, they are classing as subpar but are they if they can't but, if a scenario is very heavy on the infantry um zones and less so on the war beast war drag zones but yes. as long as they can contest then because there's no I score five, I win. Do they have to be as concerned about having that mix of stuff? I guess maybe that is true. I, I it, it puts us in a very interesting position, in fact, because I mean, yes, you can tell you your list to have the balance of both and be able to score and have a very scenario driven army, or you can completely forsake one direction of it and go, okay, I am going to have all beasts or all infantry, and my aim is to block you out on scenario. And crush your list. Okay. And yeah, maybe that's true. I, I I don't know whether that opens that up or what. I mean, um, it was just a very slight worry that we end up in this position where hordes is seen as subpar because it can't compete. In I mean, I, I, I do think I do think there is a danger with hordes at the moment, anyway, in that a lot of the players feel that they're, I mean, they are pretty much in general overcosted. Um, certainly on their beasts uh, obviously probably on their infantry as well because well they're taking their beasts in preference um i mean there are some very good options in in certain factions in hordes that people haven't started picking up yet um i'm waiting to see the scorn spam of ferox because ferox are threat uh, terrifying you're hearing people complain about storm lances wait till people pick ferox up yeah yeah <laughs> scorn scorn have a lot of 
interesting stuff. You know, I played against the um, the Blood Runners the other day. I was yes. like, oh, okay, so they're they're good now. Yes, this this <laughs> is odd. <laughs> I, I I was thoroughly surprised by that because you know in this edition I I, I don't know where some people are getting this idea that stealth is a terrible thing now from because they have stealth which is unpleasant and anatomical precision and um apparition i'm just sat there going so, so do they have more special rules after this are, are you done or because the idea that a unit could come up engage you then apparate through you and next turn hit your back line that's slightly terrifying um and i don't think they're even their best unit so but but then again there's there's been very little evidence of the effects that have uh, that have happened to scorn since the change I, I think we need another few months of those first it's just the meta catching up with itself right it takes people a while to realize the changes um that are there and the impact they've had on the game uh, because people are always focusing on what is the perceived problem at the moment. Mm. Well, uh, yeah, focusing on the perceived problem, though, that, that, that's that's probably only going to be increased by CID, to be honest. So, yeah, yeah that'll definitely be interesting to see where that goes. So, we'll see. Any further comments from uh, anyone on uh, Steam World 2017? Uh, no. Not humble, we Excellent. Benji's off playing the division again. No, uh, no, no, no. Titanfall 2? No, 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 no. Hearthstone? Yeah. All right. You are Hello. terrible. You are a terrible human being. I have in my hands right now. No, we don't need origins to. of Hearthstone. <laughs> wow, CCG card. In fact, multiple Wow TCG cards. Oh God. <laughs> I, I would have pulled my Wow TCG stuff down off the shelf, but I've just put it back on top of the bookcase. So. Uh... <laughs> That that's not happening. Um, yeah, that was the okay. one us two minis games. If you remember the death of WoW TCG, if WoW TCG was still going, it wouldn't be for playing War Machine right now. I don't know. I, I went back to WoW TCG near the end. Um, okay, yeah. if WoW TCG hadn't had a little hiccup that looked like it was going to die and inevitably led to its long, long death, just yeah. took a little while longer to give up breathing. I, I, I'm going to go off topic here for a second, lads. Just just don't worry about this. But the, the fact that when I went back to it, they were averaging like six quests in a deck and it, and it was it was an average of four to draw a card rather, mental. rather than three three or two if you had special cards yes there we go uh but th th that's moving outside the realms of this podcast and back to a dead 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 I, game i miss those days i kind of do as well i miss what i mean <laughs> I did, an amazing system. i didn't have to glue as much um <laughs> speaking of which it's time for any other business. So, Alex, table. don't stop that. You don't need to encourage him. Alex, any other business? We've been hearing him filing. I want to know what he's been filing all night. Um, tax, tax returns. Return. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Bankers. Uh, Great there line. we go. Uh, I've been uh, filing some Infinity Bay. Oh. Are you going on the infinity has infinity had a rules change because a lot of people started talking about it lately uh it's on version three okay well third ed is just over a year and a half old i think is it less broken yeah. uh can, yeah. I can i actually enjoy a game of it now rather than getting gunned down by a guy on a motorcycle oh <laughs> um, no, we, we don't just, talk just... about my experience versus eugene <laughs> yes you can enjoy it yes it is all right 
Cool. Maybe maybe I have to find those models again. <laughs> okay. Uh, anything else in the, any other business, Alex? Uh, not really. Getting things ready for the ETC. Um, uh, um, you, not... you got any dates for that and uh, when tickets are going on sale? <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, I have. Um, so I know today that tickets will be going on sale on Friday the 3rd of March at 7 p.m. Um, there are space is, is there is space for 32 teams. Um, two tickets have already been pre-sold in Bunny Ears. Um, one ticket went to the winner of the event from last year, which was Team Scotland, uh, and one ticket went to the highest-ranking team, uh, highest-ranking Europe team at the WTC, uh, which is a German team. So I've been in contact with those guys. They've got their tickets all sorted. Um, so there's 30 tickets left. Um, so if, if people were interested in getting a ticket, where would they go? Uh, Firestorm Games. I'm going to post a link up on the uh, ETC social media. So I've got Facebook and Insta uh, Twitter. Not Instagram, unfortunately. Uh, Facebook and Twitter. Um, so, but yeah, they'll go up on there. Tickets are available on firestormgames.co.uk. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I will post a uh, direct link okay. on social media. So if people, don't, if people don't know a lot about the ETC... Yeah, what what kind of format are we talking? The uh, five-man uh, team event, uh, very similar uh, to the WTC. So it's kind of appeal is well, there's a number of different appeals for a number of different players, but kind of the two main ones are those who are wanting to get to um, They're going to be playing on one of the teams, uh, or those who maybe aren't going to qualify for that event and want to get a taste of that event. You know, have playing with your friends. Uh, you know, some people go with it with a very kind of playing for fun attitude. Uh, one year we had a team who basically had a, a giant spinning dial to decide who played against who. Ah, um, team roulettes. Yes, team roulette. Yeah, they uh, had a, yeah. Basically, the the you you choose pairing, so you choose you put a couple of forwards. Your opponent chooses which their uh, players wants to play against which of the opponent's players, uh, and then you kind of switch vice versa. You know, going back and two uh, to decide you know who's going to play who. I say this team basically let a, uh, a roulette wheel, uh, a, a custom-made roulette wheel, make that yeah. decision for them. Oh, it was very impressive. I mean, I ended up playing uh, Team Roulette sort of the last time. It was more I played, like a uh, coffee table so. than a roulette table. Yes, yes, quite. So uh, no, that was that's cool. So uh, what were the dates of the UTC again? Uh, the first and second of July, two thousand seventeen. There, and it is at Firestorm Games as well. Yeah. Noting. There we go. Ne never say I don't give you any airtime for these things. Well, there you go. <laughs> Fair enough. So, Benj, any other business? Well, I've almost finished Kozlov in these uh, dying minutes of the podcast. So, uh, the podcast isn't dying. Well, no, no, I meant as in. Oh, smoke one, mate. Oh, snap. snap. No, uh, I've just finished Kozlov uh, to a tabletop standard. This won't be winning any tournaments, but neither will be any. PP plastic for the battle boxes. Like, oh god, <laughs> I cannot stand that plastic. Um, uh, I'm to positivity, Bench. I'm still positive. I've been a lot more positive than you. <laughs> I'm positive that I don't like it. <laughs> I'm very positive. I don't like it. Um, no, I'm just going to be getting back into painting stuff for the foreseeable and um, maybe sticking it on the table. Top when John decides to have another tournament again. And, and Ben, actually, I was going to say he should uh, come press gang at the uh, ETC. Is that an actual invite, or are you just? Am I going to turn up and then you're just going to say? It's definitely an invite. If you want to press uh, gang at the ETC, there's a space waiting for you. 
When, when is it? Um, again? There you go. Don't say I never like advertise. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. That was literally because I was just getting face hunted uh, that I missed uh, those dates. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. I, I will definitely. We'll talk now. Yeah, we we can have conversations uh, offline. So that's that's cool. Okay. Uh, and, and if anyone is interested in coming to uh, John's Pro Tournaments, uh, just look for the uh, Bristol Independent Games um, Facebook page, and they will show you when their War Machine events are. Uh, it's a decent little venue, a very good crowd there. Um, you know, they they can usually do between eight and sixteen for a steamroller. Uh, usually sixteen for the Saturday ones, eight for the Sundays. Mike, Mike likes quite often they are. Sorry, no, Mike range. likes it because he calls it easy pickings. For God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I was going to say, quite often uh, they are advertised on the uh, War Machine Pod UK um, page. Yeah. That's somewhere to, to look if you were. Uh... Which, if you're not on there, do join. It's a, a great place for discussion and finding out about uh, events and uh, also trolling people mercilessly. Say, it's not uh, bad for comedy, either. I do have uh, actually just before we leave, this is a rules question because I'm so. We're only halfway through any other business. We're not leaving yet. I know. I know. I'm just this is this is a rules question. It didn't really fit in anywhere else. But I was trying to look at those theme lists, and if you choose a caster, um, and it says no character warjacks, why does War Room allow you to give them that character's warjack? If the character has a bond, if the warjack has the character warjack has a bond with the caster you've chosen, you can take that. So, for example, Haley can always take Thorn. Okay. You can always take Dynamo. They That's combined a, a bond and special issue into one rule. Yeah, ah, that's that's so awesome. Actually, the reason character some character warjacks still need to be named is, for example, Thunderhead doesn't have a, a an association to a caster. Yeah. yeah, and I think there's there's a couple of those. There's not many of them, but there's a few of them within various factions. I know that that's because uh, I was just sitting there going, "Is this a bug?" No, right. it's uh, if there's a bond, you can take them. Um, which is fantastic for keeping flavour in the uh, in rules in right. themes. Well, Butcher will be making a return then at some point. <laughs> Butcher have a character? Yeah, uh, he has yeah. a ruin. Yeah, he is my one of my favourite model warjacks. A very characterful Kodiak chassis with dead with dead Orberus on it. Fucking wolves! Is it Kodiak chassis? Uh, he is Kodiak chassis. Yeah. Really? Yeah, he is. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, um, I suppose the uh, the Pathfinder of the Charge makes more sense then. Yeah, exactly. It's very very thematic. Um, okay. Who knew Kodiaks were psychopathic? I always thought it was berserkers. Uh, Kador Jacks are kind of psychopathic in general. Uh, apart from berserkers, they just blow up. They're they're more. But that's because they're old, even older than nomads. Even older than you, puppy. Hey. <laughs> Well, no, it's just that conversation over the weekend was hilarious. Like, why do you cut? Why do you see me as a father figure? I'm a year older than you. No, it was great. And then John just drops it, going, "You, but you are my father figure." Yeah, the worst, the worst, all of you. Literally, the first. We are the sausage. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Moving on, Nick. Any other business? No. Excellent. Moving on. Me, any other <laughs> business? Um, who's me? I'm me. Yeah, uh, I'm I, me. I, I've been painting up some more six mil 
Um, Imperial Guard. Get out. Yeah. I, I don't care. Um, it's been very therapeutic because I realized I can be really messy with how I paint them. And because they're six mil, no one will ever notice. Did, did you paint them in bright colors just to reminisce really about what Games Workshop used to be like back in version two? <laughs> back in there. Have you seen my Imperial Guard? No. Mike's... If, they're not, if they're not bright colors, I'm not interested. Mike's sitting there watching Zulu every night and imagining orcs charging. No, up no, no, the hill. no, 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 no. Sharp, get it right. No, no, it was definitely a combination of the two. Uh, sharp okay. is sharp is gaunt, actually, in space. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'll give yeah. you that one. Yeah. So, Nick, I, I'm just going to send you, and I'll, I'll send it the, uh, the old-fashioned way. I'll send it to the YouTube chat as well. I'll send you a picture of. Uh, not My bright enough. Where's the yellows? Where's the blues? They're bright red with a pith helmet. What more do you want? Pithy. <laughs> uh, and in fact, there's yellow on the bases. Yeah. There you go. See? That told you. Um, I've still got that uh, copy of uh, White Dwarf, the massacre at Big Tooth River. Not painted like this. I don't care. <laughs> For reference, Nick has just pasted... I can't paste it into the YouTube because it tells me off for pasting web addresses. No. So. Yes. Uh, Nick has just pasted me the, um, the Slanesh noise Marine from that, that's got to be a rogue trader model. It's second edition. It's for the second edition rule book, but that's got to be a rogue trader model. Uh, the guitars, they were my favorite. It's Slanesh got leopard Marine. print greaves. I mean, for God's sake. Who, who painted that? Because they probably, probably died of an epileptic fit shortly after. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the fact it's, it's the leopard print greaves and the zebra print helmet with the rainbow-colored mohawk. Yeah. I, 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 Guys, what second edition was all about garish paint, paint God, schemes. God and bless you, heavy metal painters, because you were mad in the face. <laughs> I love what you did. God, God bless the ultramarines. They brought some normality to fucking second air. Oh, yes, blue, you're the worst. Blue with white use. I'm not the worst, because I didn't bask at the church of uh, Matt Ward and what he did to them. You would, have, you would have hated my Iron Warriors because I painted them the shiniest silver that I could get away with. Oh, God. You you, and probably John crawl into some kind of chevroned bed, yellow and black, and <laughs> copulate together. It was the shiniest silver. I... I Changed the yellow out for gold, so they got gold trim on everything, and then they had black. Oh. Oh. Everything had to shine. Oh, you disgust me. Blind my opponent when I put them on the board. Actually, Nick, anyway. Nick you might approve more of my Warhound, which actually has the yellow and black shoulder pads. So. Yes. Oh. Oh, <laughs> that, it, you know, whenever I see something industrial like that, it just makes me sick. It just reminds me of a period when wargaming put fit, put silly warning symbols on it and tried to get away with it. If you could it has stripes. Um, it's worth uh, noting that one of the entries to um, the P3 Grandmaster of the Weekend um, by John Muir uh, from Kent 
one of my schools, uh, he submitted a uh, Mad Jack 3. Uh, and it was very kind of, I want to phone, but not, not black and white. It's very kind of very blue overall. On kind of realizing this, he felt that he needed to, to add a, a bit of color. So he thought, as a contrast to blue, yellow. Um, <laughs> She went for some hazard stripes on the uh, on the shield, which unfortunately for for Madrax's character, he's a little kind of left field. Um, unfortunately, he was marked down somewhat for that sort of on the other things, sort of saying, you know, that there's no real reason why they would they should be there. And it was, I mean, they were very nicely done. Don't get me wrong, but kind of in a composition sense, not not the best executed. What have they done to Gulliman? so for reference i just sent him the gulliman model and said would you rather have this (laughs) Ah, constipation man his head is tiny (laughs) he's a man in giant space armor the flaming that is they've just i mean the flaming sword's fucking awesome don't see do you see the shark jumping between his legs (laughs) (laughs) he's because the shark has been jumped by Gulliman, I think, in this fucking insane. We've gone for, oh, no, no, no. I had faith in humanity. I mean, I'll give it to them. I can only count, like, one or two skulls on the entire fucking... One. One. I can one only on his see knee one. pad and one on the base. Three. Uh, oh, where's the third? Four. Oh, fuck. He's... So, Knee pad, left ankle. There's one uh, just left in front ankle. of the eagle under his left foot, and there's one in the middle of the base, just under the dead space marine. I see three. Uh, yeah, I, I see, see three. I see Still Sorry. don't see four. That, that's four. I reckon. He's I... standing on a fucking eagle. Is he also American <laughs> as well? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh, oh no! Now just get the image of star-spangled space marines. And... Oh. <laughs> oh. oh. Can someone just Photoshop Trump's head on that? And that would be America. America. <laughs> oh, this is causing me far too much amusement. Uh, oh, uh, and uh, that's uh, it. Ultramarines are dead to me. That, uh, that uh, is it now. So you're going to move to the Imperial Fists instead? Uh, no, because they, oh, they're fucking yellow and... No, uh, Benj, they're buff. They're buff. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, no, I'm just gonna move to custodies. They just look down everyone's nose and that, that was a oh their nose at everyone. Sorry. Oh, that is just that is just what were they thinking? <laughs> Are people gonna pay money for that? Yes. yes. I don't think. You I, know what? I quite like it. Apart you, from the constipated face. You like that. There's something inherently I, I, I in Alien. I appreciate that, that Games Workshop have finally got over themselves enough to start releasing Primarchs, because this is the second, I think, because is oh, uh, one of the demon princes is out now. Uh, yeah. End times of 40k. I'm not. Shit, we need more money. Quick, print the Primarch button. I'm not. Uh, it's like they're, when Square Enix go, shit, we're running out of money, quick, let's re-release Final Fantasy VII. They're doing the Primarchs, and one of the books apparently is someone heading to Earth to turn off the Golden Throne. Turn it off? Yep. Who's to, what? No. to let the Emperor die. What? That's Gurleyman. I, I don't know who it is, but from stuff that I've heard, that is allegedly what's going to happen. 
Well, because uh, when this, br- yeah, that will bring about. It, it, if, if the Emperor dies, the Star Child can be reborn, and there is hope for humanity in the Eldar. But it if also not, turns off the beacon, and the whole uh, chaos gets in, and the whole world's fucked. Yeah. It turns off the beacon, but if the Star Child is reborn, it does allow humanity to access the webway instead. There's no, there's no good end times. Let's put it like that. In I mean, I mean, come on. Warhammer Fantasy into Age of Sigmar was the best ending ever. Oh, the, the, the Age of the Age of Sigmar is basically just nah. <laughs> so we killed everything. Uh, <laughs> do whatever fluff you want. We don't care. By the anymore. way, Sigmar rage quit. Then he decided, "Fuck this, I'm back." Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because he didn't like what? What was the alternative? To f- anyway. I feel at this point we should probably end the podcast. A bit like the Elder. We should just probably <laughs> end. end the podcast and the Elder. Amazing. A bit like, like Smogcon. Uh, yeah, uh, actually, as well, one of the uh, Elder craft worlds is gone. What? Was it Beel Tan? Uh, it's either Eandon or Beel Tan has gone. Oh, uh, okay. Dawn of One Three is out soon. By the way, just as yeah, well. a couple of my friends got some hands-on this weekend while we we're at Smogcon because PC uh, Gamer Weekend was there. I've not caught up with them yet. All I got was a text message saying "fucking awesome." Has, so- having seen an hour and a half of that game, it looks to address ninety-nine percent of what I despised about Dawn of War Two. I mean, and um, gives you an Imperial Knight on top. And I, I'm I, fine with this. I get to re- I get to live my Imperial Knight fantasy where I belong to some sort of noble house and my blood is worth a damn and I ride a big robot into battle. It's That's almost so... anime like. I was about to say so Voltron then. Yeah. See, this is the point. I do need to buy some Imperial Knights for my epic army. And then but... I j- but that's for another day. Well, I just need someone to say, get in the damn robot bench, and preferably... But the thing is, because you'd want to I get mean, in the robot, you would be killed in the first episode. Just fire up Overwatch instead of Hearthstone, right? No, I hate Overwatch. I've done done with Overwatch. Right! Time to end the <laughs> podcast. How do you how we really the whole <laughs> podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously? I'm Alex. I'm Nick. <laughs> I'll be Mike. I'm Ben. Rage! Say goodbye, Nick. Goodbye, Nick. <laughs> Bye. been listening to Elite Cadre, a War Machine and Hordes podcast. 
Email us at EliteCadrePodcast at gmail.com or find the whole team on Twitter at bit.ly forward slash EliteCadre. Music provided by Martin de Bont and Symphony of Spectres. And now, in a world of perfect production and seamless transitions, we bring you the chaos that lurks beneath the surface. These are the Easter eggs. The the, the, the previous champion was Ryan, right? Yeah, and he ate him for breakfast. I mean, well, it was like a hard game. Ryan was experimenting with uh, the Ghost Fleet list. Jazz. But I, I mean, that list was terrifying. But yeah, I 100% agree with what you were saying, that people just need to sit down and learn their factions and learn a lot more about the game at the moment. We're, we're in the early days, and it is Doom Train o'clock. Everything is broken if it's at the top. And I mean, obviously if, that's not true. If I'm slightly more positive, then the world has to worry, because I am the negativity train, and I <laughs> yeah, pulled into station. That's, that's why I was so surprised you were on my side for this. I know, I'm... I, because I can see how some people, I, I can see how people win. I've seen how people win. It doesn't interest me anymore. It, do, it doesn't make me want to go to, I want to go now to tournaments to have fun and see people that I don't see very often. Once a year is not enough, basically, to see some of these people. And I want to just have fun. I want to put models on the table. I want to give someone a competent game. I don't want to fucking. <sighs> welcome to, welcome to being a PG. Yeah, <laughs> I thought PG was you didn't play the game at all, and you then no, no, you just you just lose the um, tournament drive. You you understand it. You know exactly what's going on. You know if you really wanted to, and you wanted to put the effort in, you could do it and place with the the big boys. But actually, you'd rather just have a fun, enjoyable game. Well, I've seen what happens when people do try and place, and they don't seem like they're having fun when it doesn't go well. No, it's not. Um, it's, it's competitive. Com- competitive tournaments in in the everything takes the fun out of whatever you are doing, whether that's esports, whether that's miniatures on a table, whether that's tennis or football. You can guarantee be guaranteed that uh, if you are playing a, a top competitive level, it's not as fun. Mm, I didn't like how that conversation then did dogpile that guy who was quite a naysayer, that Krieg, whatever his face was. So I did this uh, was a Facebook from yesterday. Yeah, I didn't see that. Um, okay. I, I saw the fallout from a couple of screenshots, but I, yeah, I mean... I didn't like that. And I didn't... And it's that's been happening. That happened before Smogcom. Um, and so... I, I will say that the, the, the person in question... Um, has been a uh, a fairly frequent, not adversary, but a fairly frequent kind of uh, opposite side of the coin to me on um, Twitter. In, in that I find that of the people who are likely to be negative, he's usually one of the ones that's on the more negative side. Um, it doesn't invalidate his opinion, though. He Everyone may be... has an asshole. Everyone no. has an opinion. Don't yeah. have to talk about either of them. Yeah, I, I mean, that that, that is true. Uh, it, it doesn't invalidate the opinion. Um, I, I would say some of the stuff that he said previously um, perhaps doesn't negate it, but shows that that opinion is... Um, it's had the bicycle pump shoved into it and pumped up a few times. It's It's been inflated and it's been exaggerated. Potentially, I mean, we don't know. We don't see his meta. Yeah. He... He did join on the. He he was more negative than I was willing to be during the negative times. Um, yeah, 
So, but uh, I, I think we should perhaps move away from that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit more, yeah, yeah. I just more positive. It was with just, a podcast of positivity. Well, we were just preempting that the the is a signal busted discussion is going to happen, and I was just saying that I'm ready to take you all on because yeah. Have you not and, looked in Facebook today? And then Benj backed me up, and I was really confused. Because I think people will crack it eventually. People will... It just takes time, and I think people what? are too... It, you know what tipped me over the men off forums? And I actually... This is reasonable, Benj, here. Oh, because, God. No. because <laughs> someone was right. Someone pointed out Harvey. And Harvey has been one that I've been shitting on quite frequently from a great height. And but I can see that she's got a place, and I could see the arguments against the guy that was very negative about her, and I can see the arguments for and against. And she is still quite her feet is not the best, but she's still got game, and she just does different things now. Mm-hmm. So yep. yeah, as I've said all the way along, that is the biggest thing that you have to learn about Mark Three. Whatever you thought about what stuff's roles were. In Mark Two, you have to look at it again. If you, um, if, if you said back in Mark Two that people would be playing Striker One, Kara Sloan, and Darius at a top level, we would have laughed at you. Yeah. At the start of Mark Three, apart from Kara Sloan, you told them that Striker One and Darius were viable, they would have laughed at you. And if you'd said to them that um, Crow's Cutthroats would Lose, lose abilities and also become one of the mainline units of mercs, people would have laughed you out of the building. Because in Mark 2, they're okay. Bit naff at times, but okay. In Mark 3, it's like, yeah, I've got six of these. They're going to prevent your caster getting on the objective for the game. So it's it's a different ball game out there now. A whole new war. Uh, yeah. They, they, they were right. And I think we actually now might be starting to turn that corner where more people are going, oh, actually, yeah. Okay, I can, I can get where this has gone now. It, because it seems to have been the last couple of weeks, there's been more and more people that I know going, okay, I'm back in Mark Three, And yeah, I think I get it now. 2017 is going to make think- things even more interesting. Oh, that new steamroller. Oh, I mean, the faction I want to be with that new steamroller is Retribution. Because they are the most balanced faction for Warjack Solos units. Um, combined arms. Uh, yeah, they are the most combined arms currently. Every other faction is going to have to find this balance to play scenarios if this is what's happening. Uh, uh, but Retribution don't have to adapt that much. Mercs are mostly there, but that's only because the Jacks are so cheap they're taking a pile of them. <laughs> So, <laughs> the problem with Mercs is keeping the Jacks alive when they go stand on an objective, right? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> then the Electro Chicken comes in and goes, Ah, I see you have three Warjacks. <laughs> I see you have no Warjacks. Oh, well, I know mine. I didn't think that was with Chromac too, so. Yeah. Benj. Yeah. I was going to say, if you uh, if you like attending events to, uh, to see people and kind of have a chat and stuff, you should come and uh, press game at the ETC. When is the ETC? First uh, and second of July in Cardiff. Cool. If you need a press ganger, it's in it's in Cardiff. Sorry. In Cardiff. Yeah, it moved yeah. this year. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, but Unless, I'll be uh, I'll be putting out the PG signal at some point in the not too distant uh, future. Instead of Team Elite Cadre, you'll have PG Team Elite Cadre. Huh. <laughs> 
the world doesn't need this. <laughs> oh, we're not that bad. Alex, <laughs> oh, you think so, Bench? Hey, <laughs> hey, hey. Did Nick show up? Curl have family affairs. I must admit that did knack at me this week. Uh, just this weekend gone, and I don't think I've properly adjusted. And um, I can't do these hours <laughs> anymore. I mean, I'm going to apologise for my part in that. Uh, obviously, I pulled out with a few weeks to go due to a work commitment, but a, f- a few a few weeks to go. We didn't know whether. Uh, when I spoke to people, issues, but yeah, yeah, I know, I know. We didn't, we didn't know if you were showing up at all. Uh, actually, over the weekend, I appeared. I came up at the last minute. I came forth at the death of the Khan to strike the final blow and drag its carcass back with me. Oh, that's still sad. Okay, if you want to put it that way, that's 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 grand. Worrying, but grand. Uh, I will okay. have smart con on my wall, my prize. Mm. <laughs> it's it's nice. I've actually just realised you can pop out the YouTube chat, so I, I ah, can see cool. people. That's that's it's weird. We have people. Yes, uh, we're being watched by uh, Byron Lyles, David Bartley, this bloke called Nick Topham, and uh, Chris Young. Hey, Matt was... Townsend, you missed Matt Townsend. Oh, and Matt Townsend. You know he's not always there when we think he is. I was. He, I, I asked him about this. Pretty sure he is. No, he he said I wasn't there that time. You know, and usually each episode we go, and of course that was Matt Townsend just sitting there through all of our banality, and um, and I mean, then he's like, no, I have a life. I mean, I mean that's Chris, a lie, and we know it. Bench is actually quite happy today, Chris. I don't know what he's done to the water, but let, let's hope it keeps up. I'm yep. painting Kozlov right now. Ooh. So, back, on, back on the K-Door train? Uh, I don't know what train I'm back on. I just wanted Kozlov, and I didn't want to buy a battle box. So I got... Hey, this was during SmogCon, a furious eBay bidding war uh, of pretty much that ended up being half the cost of a battle box in the end. And I was kind of like, oh, bollocks. But then as I explained to you, I don't want any more bloody K-Door juggernaut chassis <laughs> shit. So what are we talking about tonight, Mike? Uh, oh, well, I was thinking we'd have a chat about SmogCon, uh, which would organically lead into maybe discussing the Grimkin. I don't know why I'm gesturing here. I'm gesturing here because on my screen, that's where the Grimkin stuff is. And then, and then, um, and then coming off the, uh, off the peninsula. Card with box. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were doing weather. No, 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 not quite. Um, then, I don't know, maybe have a little chat about uh, potential changes to SR 2017. I mean, I have to go find those unless you've got them. Um, what we've mostly seen is fairly simple. So that's true. A bit like us. Fairly simple. A bit like us. Right. Yeah, okay. that's, that's true. Although, what's interesting is um, just before we actually start, the scenario that they showed at SmogCon kind of contradicts something else that's been said elsewhere, which but, is that flags will be in every scenario. Yeah, because there weren't any flags at SmogCon. Mm. Mm. Flags in every scenario. Yeah, because they're the only things that broadcasters can control. To be fair, maybe Hungerford just forgot. (laughs) (laughs) That that, that, that actually is perfectly valid. He he was doing that entire thing from memory. Yes, that's true. Oh, sorry, not <laughs> the only thing that's yeah, Warcasters that. control. It's the it's uh, something that can only be controlled by Warcasters. That's yeah, that's the right so, version. Have we had anything other than what's kind of come out over SmogCon weekend confirmed regarding? Not yet. Uh, a lot of it sounds like it's going to uh, come okay. with a CID. 
have you seen uh, PPS Spaghani's, um Yeah, I believe they've discussed some of it in the latest Primecast. I've not listened to that yet, though. Yes, that that's very I much... I, because because Primecast was recorded before SmogCon, it's pretty much um, a discussion of the same terms. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll bring up the level, level, level thing. What, uh, where's it gone? Uh, uh, there was a post. Where's it gone? Ah, there we go. 2017 spoilers, rumors, and some clarification. So that I think that'll actually be an interesting discussion because, right? Steamroll is the heart of the game. You got steamrolled. Ha 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 ha. Moving on. Yes. Alex. Apparently, apparently, we don't say moving on enough anymore. Alex, you've got a job to do. Alex, what? He's got to ramble enough that I have to say moving sorry. on a lot. What's that? Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. What's my job? Ending the show so we can leave because that's it. <laughs> okay. Now you can listen. <laughs> I've been banned. I give up. Man down. Man down. <laughs> we are a man down. And I yeah, feel bad. I yes, feel bad. because we've done two podcasts impromptuly and this is on the wrong day and whatever. I mean, <laughs> I have internet now, so yay, I return. That's why Kurt's not here. Reason. It's a renegade. It's the body of a renegade. That's it's the body of a renegade, but the head of a mangler? Uh, it's a it's a body of a renegade with no bits attached. And probably don't even own them. That's going on a base somewhere. Probably. Chassis. Thing. Oh, right. You were actually talking about a model. Fair enough. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I have... I'm going through my paint box, which got... Um, delivered earlier today and <laughs> i'm just rummaging and there was a and there was a and there was a jack in there oh 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 bollocks no that that paint's <laughs> that paint's dried up oh god see it, it was only when i was actually um ferreting through my uh, epic models that i actually found something that i thought had been lost to time which is uh my uh my second um that talent yes my second talent I've got one what? painted one. It's never been on the table, but uh, I hear talons are great. Yeah, I'll I'll work out why later. <laughs> um, it's not that I'm skeptical. It's no, that's that's actually the reason. Um, they're okay. Armor sixteen with a shield. It's like, haha! I've disrupted your jack, and I'm sitting there thinking, yeah. And then the other two behind come in, mangle the talon, and. You've delayed it a turn. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Back once again, Renegade Master. Oh, dear. <laughs> with the ill behaviour, with the ill behaviour, with the ill behaviour. Sorry. Um, Let, let's stop the 90s. Let's stop the 90s. I want to get off. Let me just the on. One sec. Why you gotta go and make things so complicated? That, that's 2000s, Benji. Was it? What? <laughs> the two kind of merged into a blur. I was young. I'm, I'm, pre I'm pretty sure that came out while I was at university. Really? Yeah. Yeah, but that was about the 1980s, well, it was wasn't it? Oh, uh, what? That now, Benj. I've had Cave calling me old today as well. Okay. Okay. Well, in okay, Avril Lavigne's 2000s. I'll give you that. So I guess in Kurt's honor, having not been here, we'll put Mbop on. <laughs> yeah. God. No. Now that is from the 90s. Don't argue with me. That, that's very 90s. Very, very 90s. <laughs> <sighs> right, should we uh, should we make a start on this whole shebang? Should that not read? Should we make a start on this train wreck? Mm, no. I mean, I don't think we can afford a train. 
No. Um, yeah, let's let's get going. Um, okay, fair enough. Advert just popped up on my Facebook for Train Station, the game on rails. What? They're listening to you. They <laughs> <It> must be. <clears throat> there we go. That was a podcast. Uh, yes, it certainly was. Wild uh, it, it was certainly a podcast about twenty percent of which, at the end, was Games Workshop. I mean, but the, right, do we genuinely have an issue with talking about other games like that? No, not really. I thought I, we had. I thought we had actually moved into a point now where we kind of accepted that, that that's what it's going to be like. I was looking at. I was looking at Kozlov reference pictures and it <laughs> popped up. What? <laughs> that popped up in Google Image search. Right. Um, I, I'm going to paste this into the YouTube chat because some people are doubt- undoubtedly uh, still watching. So this is the Kozlov reference that Benj just found. That's, uh, it's not even Kozlov. Go. It's fucking Harkovich. Harkovich, Harkovich and, and Zakova. Zakova. Oh, did you see the Zakova Dallas had? Oh, that was the best model he had in that bag. The original terrible sculpt Zakova uh, with the ice cream. I just remembered what I wanted to talk about on the podcast. Well, it wasn't a bad sculpt. Time. I liked it. Why? I wanted to talk about the fact that they uh, at SmogCon they said that they might be killing some more characters off. Like who? Oh, they oh they've killed is the one in the middle of the Black Thirteenth. They killed, well, they killed one of the Black Thirteenth off. They killed Mordecai off. It looks as though Sevi's going to be dying. Nah, um, Mordecai's coming. Back. Uh, but in, in, have you seen the picture for that Menoth book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. And 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 they said he's definitely not giving him a hug. I I don't like Sevi though. I don't like the. It's, going to open up a lot of interesting things if they're happy to start killing off their own characters. Because uh, as long as they don't go fucking George R. R. Martin on it. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, uh, but the fact that they're willing to do that can definitely lead to some more interesting fluff points and maybe open up space for other characters. I, I, I just don't like the, the fact that the in the last couple of books... That, well, actually, I do like this because... Um, um, Krios is getting his um, his, his sort of soul back. He, he he wanted to go save Durst in the middle of that f- firefight. He and and fucking Sevi was standing on the hill going no, and then at the end he relented and went yes, you may go. You know, it's everyone. That warhound colourfulness for you, Nick. Uh, everyone is currently at this stage getting a bit pissed off with the preachy men off part. You know, the ex- even the exemplar hierarchy. You know, and people are still revering the paladins. Vilmon's got a high place next to next to Floaty Bint. You know, yeah, and it, if they do a Menoth civil war, it could just be really interesting because they've resolved the the Signal civil war now. So yeah. we start start on the Menoth civil war, right? And then the Kador civil war, and we just basically throw the whole world into fucking turmoil. Is there going to be a Kador civil how, war? How, uh, hasn't the Kador one been resolved? I think it might have actually. I can't remember where they were with the fluff. Vlad got married off and has been given Umbria. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so they did kind of kind of stem that one, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, but didn't the men? Uh, then they could always have that. That Sorsha gets a bit p- pissy and you know goes to assassinate Vlad's wife or something. Sorsha's already oh, pissy actually, no. though. I was gonna say, if Sorsha gets pissy. Sorsha goes off and makes sure Butcher dies. Oh, that could also happen. Um, yeah. Like, uh, potentially, I mean, not this isn't killing a character, but this is writing your own characters out. We could see, um, we could see Haley ascend. We could see Haley become a scion. Uh, well, it's not a scion, is it? Scions are the Theramite versions, but the, the equivalent of a scion of Morrow. But she was, uh, I mean, isn't her history already defined that she'll end up, you know, with the cock? No. 
I thought that was Hayley Future, you know, cock influenced and all that. She's not necessarily cock influenced. She just high, has high a lot of technology. She isn't uh, in an Android skeleton at all. We don't know how the convergence doesn't get subsumed into Signal. We don't know what happens with the convergence at all. I mean, yeah. there are four, there are small forces thing. They it could they could have like they could become part of Signal. That is something that could potentially happen. There could be a non-aggression pact agreement there where they become part of Signal and are left in to in their peace to well, do their own do, thing. They do already work with Nima. You you would hope yeah. that in the future though that people would realise what their warjacks do. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll finally like let people in on the secret of what the dongulator does and what you know. Even though it's written down somewhere, nobody can be asked to fathom it out because they all look <laughs> fucking stupid. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it could be really interesting to see what they do with them uh, and. Uh, I, I do think that this is a good thing that they're, that they're embracing the ability to kill their own characters. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I just that it wasn't. It was just I want these stories to develop, and this is this is why I see the Grimkin as the biggest positive is because that is an old storyline, the Baba Yaga thing. You know, it's 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 moving well, the story. This is, this is why I got this is why I got a bit uh, aggressive earlier with the. Old Witch 2, Old Witch 3 thing, it's because Old Witch cannot go back to Kador now. Now that she's opened the gate and revealed... Um, the truth, that, that, wasn't, um, that wasn't necessarily what was said at the seminar. No. Okay. Um, the, the, the What was said was um, that, that was, even, even after she's brought the Defiers into the world, um, Kador may take them as a necessary evil to keep the Old Witch on side. So okay. someone, That's interesting. And, and Will did say... When someone pointed out, what would the Empress say to this? She said, doesn't necessarily know what what she's doing. Fair enough. Um, I mean, there's some really fluffy things I didn't, we didn't talk about in the Grimkin stuff that I like, like the idea of uh, the woman that um, that the old witch uses to communicate with the defilers. That oh, the woman from the mental asylum. That she's so revered by the Grimkin uh, now. Is it Lady Kiriana? Yeah, she's so well, revered. The entire the, the, army, the entire army gets a bonus for the turn. It's insane. It's such a crazy idea, but so cool at the same See, time. I, I actually quite like uh, Lord Longfellow. Uh, it, he's the spider in the suit, right? Yeah. Yes, he's that, awesome as well. That, with the, with the, the extra dice against characters. By the way, Warcasters are characters. Uh, and, and extra dice against damage models. And damage models. Yes, finisher. That's just finisher. Yes. So the idea is like, okay, um, I've hit your caster, right? That's four dice. What? 